y'all, Scott here. Super Mario Kart, right? First one in the series. I haven't fully played through this and unlocked everything yet, so I should really do that to form a full opinion. Hey Scott, Scott here. I'm you 14 minutes into the future, and I'm here to warn you that you think Super Mario Kart is just okay. Thank you. You get a new Nintendo console, you want to pick up a few multiplayer titles for the system, well, you have a few choices. Mario Kart. It's hard to think of another series that's as universally enjoyed as Mario Kart. And when I say universally enjoyed, I mean it. Go up to anybody on the street and ask if they want to play Mario Kart. If the 7 out of 10 chance you don't get maced wins out, you'll be having some top-of-the-line multiplayer fun with a stranger. Mario Kart is one of the most accessible multiplayer games out there due to just how understandable it is for anybody. It's go-kart racing in the Mario universe, just how God intended. You'll lap around each track three times or so and see if you can get first place, or maybe second place if you're a f***ing loser. Item boxes are scattered across each track and running into them gives you a random something to hurl onto other players or defend yourself with. It's hard to imagine a Nintendo console without Mario Kart. It's the true multiplayer mainstay of each system. Smash Brothers and Mario Party might have something to say about that, but in my opinion, Mario Kart is the easiest for casual fans to grasp onto. It's racing, and it's this word. It's so easy to get. While anybody can win or lose in Mario Kart, the items do make things pretty randomized, you can truly get skilled at it and make your chances of winning that much higher, which is what I think makes it so appealing to general audiences and core fans alike. Mario Kart as a series is one that just gets better and better with each entry, sometimes. When a new Mario Kart comes out, it normally just straight up replaces the last one for me most of the time, and new games have been basically just taking the formula of the previous installment and just building onto it, leaving little to no reason to return to previous games, with some Double Dash riddled exceptions in there. While I'm content just playing the newest Mario Kart from here on out, it's pretty fun to take a look back at previous entries to see just how different they are from the more recent ones. With that, I think it's the best possible time to go all the way back into the depths of 1992 and check out the first game in the series, Super Mario Kart on the Super Nintendo. Now technically speaking, Mario-themed racing games were nothing new by the time 1992 kicked in the door. The Famicom Grand Prix series were Mario-themed racing games that were in fact Mario-themed, but really not Mario-themed. These were only released in Japan and featured Mario on the cover, but lo and behold, the games were exactly what you'd expect from racing games before Mario Kart. With the launch of the Super Nintendo came the release of the game F-Zero, a racing title to show off the power of the system. It relied heavily on that newfangled Dang Dung Mode 7, a graphical capability of the SNES that allowed for backgrounds to be distorted and blown up and just work to death while retaining smooth movement. I think the best way to show off what Mode 7 could do is to just compare Rad Racer on the NES to F-Zero, you see what I'm talking about? It wasn't true 3D, but but it was still a giant leap forward for console racing games, allowing for fast-paced smooth movement of the track. While F-Zero was a great showcase for what Mode 7 could do and an impressive and fun launch title, at the end of the day, it was a racing game without multiplayer. F-Zero was a little too intense to appeal to a wide audience itching for multiplayer, so Nintendo started to tinker with a new racing game project on the Super Nintendo. One that was more accessible, with simpler tracks and a slower pace compared to F-Zero. Go-Karts were the vehicle of choice due to this design change, with one of the placeholder drivers being some sapware and overalls. They then said, it just use Mario. And the game became a Mario Kart racer, a Super Mario Kart if you will. My personal history with the Mario Kart series started with this game's follow-up, Mario Kart 64. So for a while, Super Mario Kart was that elusive one that I didn't know much about at all. I finally got to try it out via the Wii Virtual Console years ago, so let's just say this ain't my first rodeo, but probably my fourth or fifth. It was always a game that I respected and had enough fun with whenever I'd pop it in or download it on a modern Nintendo system, but I would just generally turn it off after 30 minutes and would go on to play any other Mario Kart to be honest. But let's finally give it a fair shot. This is Super Mario Kart on the Super Nintendo. 
And here we are, the first title screen of the rest of our lives, and it includes a lot of fun graffiti on the sky and tic-tac-toe on the ground, signs of a good kart racer. There are a few modes we can dive into. For single player, we have the Grand Prix and Time Trials. Gotta start off with the Grand Prix. It's a traditional single player campaign for Mario Kart, and man, have you ever thought a character selection was jank because of one sole character? Everybody's here, Mario, Luigi, Peach, Toad, Koopa Troopa, Bowser, what the hell, and Yoshi. Donkey Kong Jr. making his first and only playable appearance in the Mario Kart series. Every other character here has been a Mario Kart staple ever since the first game. Koopa Troopa's missed out on a game or two here and there, but I can't really imagine Mario Kart without these guys. Now with Donkey Kong Jr., I have an idea of what Mario Kart would be without him. Oh yeah, Mario Kart. Just an odd character inclusion, but let's be fair here. This was back in 1992. The cast of Mario characters wasn't nearly as expansive as it is now. Plus, the modern Donkey Kong characters and designs didn't exist until the release of Donkey Kong Country two years later. But still, why Donkey Kong Jr. instead of regular no-nonsense Donkey Kong? We looked at this game here and said, where are the wheels? The Grand Prix allows us to pick one of four cups, the fourth one being unlocked later, with three speeds to choose from, 50, 100, and 150cc, with 150cc being unlocked later as well. Each cup houses five different tracks, and you have to play through each of them, trying to get the highest place in a race you can to attempt to nab first, second, or third place overall. You mainly want to try getting first overall, though, as getting the gold in all three of the cups unlocks the final one. That's still fundamentally how the Grand Prix works in Mario Kart now, and would you look at this, this definitely looks like an SNES version of Mario Kart, that's for sure. Wait. Yeah, this truly is the Mario Kart for map lovers. Remember when I said this game was specifically designed for multiplayer? To that I say, well, no sh**. Hit is always displayed in a split-screen view. Almost feels like a precursor to dual-screen games on the DS. During single-player races, the bottom view is just this giant map, while in multiplayer, it's obviously replaced by the second-player screen. Some may say this is annoying, but the game was fully designed around this screen layout, so it never really feels like my view is obstructed or things are squished. It doesn't make the game harder to play at all for me personally, but it's not an ideal layout. The map, yeah, this thing can take a hike. It's not really that useful. Just a small translucent mini-map is all you need. This is so overly detailed with character sprites so big that I never really find glancing at it to be that beneficial at all. Now, controlling the game is definitely something special. You accelerate with the B button. I think that's banned in some countries. When you run over an item plate, not into a box, you use the A button to use. I don't like that. This is just an odd jump for your thumb to make. I think it would have been far more natural to have Y B accelerate and B use the items. It's not a deal breaker though, far from it. I actually find Super Mario Kart to control quite well overall. But then we get to the pure terror, known as somewhat tight turns. Drifting is something that separates the men from the boys with Mario Kart. If you don't drift, you look like a buffoon. Hey everybody, look at this guy, not getting his mini turbo boost by drifting, fucking imbecile. In Super Mario Kart, you justifiably drift by holding one of the shoulder buttons, but man, this is some tricky stuff. I'll say, all right guys, I'm going for it, I'm gonna drift, and then proceed to make a fool out of myself. Look, I'm on milk. Drifting is one of the most satisfying things to do in modern Mario Kart games, so it's a shame that Super Mario Kart's drift just isn't dependable enough for me. It's just so awkward here. Like, it just feels like whenever I go to drift, I drift too much, and it's just hard to manage. I found with sharp turns, it's easier for me to just take them slow and to let off the gas. At least then I feel way more in control. Now, of course, there's a problem with that tactic. You may say, you shouldn't do that, Scott. Slowing down allows for your opponents to catch up. All right, listen up. Even if I played perfectly and I was resonant turn-making champion, my opponents would still catch up to me because the computers in the Grand Prix fucking cheat. Mario Kart's known for being unfair at times, but that usually comes from items randomly getting socked at you and there being nothing you can really do about it. With Super Mario Kart, the randomized items aren't the issue. 
The CPUs having so many advantages is what keeps me up at night. It makes almost every loss I experience in the Grand Prix feel unfair. Rubber banding artificial intelligence is the term of the day. It's when no matter how much better you are than the computer control players, you constantly hit them with items, you make every turn correctly, you leave them in the dust. They will be granted faster speed so they can catch up to you and make it so you don't have a huge lead on everybody. Listen, I get it. They do this to keep the game enjoyable. If you were super far ahead of the computer, it really wouldn't be that fun. It's just way too much in this game. It simply feels unrealistic when I pelt this monkey in a go-kart with a shell, he speeds up and remains on my ass. And when I get hit or fall off the track, it's hard to come back after falling into 6th, 7th, or 8th place. But when your rival falls back, they have no problem getting back into 1st. Not only this, but the computer players have special abilities that you just can't use. Mario and Luigi become invincible whenever they damn well want to. They don't need to run over an item play, they don't need to do anything special, they can just do it whenever they want, it's great. Yoshi can throw a ton of eggs, Toad throws poison mushrooms, Bowser spits fireballs, why can't I do any of this? Why can the computer do all of these things without even picking up an item. No matter how many times you peg them with items, they will always come back and be right on you. This makes playing through the Grand Prix kind of nerve-wracking. It's not crazy difficult by any means, but if you mess up once, it's hard to recover when the CPUs barely mess up and recover instantaneously. And when you mess up in this game, I'm already upset about this and I haven't even finished the sentence. It takes forever to recover. The hazards on these tracks mean business. You get gophered by Monty Mole, fall in the water, squished by a thwomp. Look how long this takes to get back to driving. Now, like I said, the AI can use special items against you, but that doesn't mean you're completely defenseless in this game. Item panels on the ground are all over the place, and running over one nabs you some sweet, sweet whatever. Mushrooms give you a speed boost. These are terrifying. Other Mario Karts have a specific animation that plays when you use your boost, thus you know when it commences. Super Mario Kart? Yeah, you just book it. It's hard to use this thing strategically. I always find that it sends me crashing into a wall most of the time. Green shell, something to pelt onto an opponent either ahead of or behind you. The red shell can only be thrown in front of you, but locks onto an opponent. I gotta be honest. I prefer green shells in this game. I like that they can be thrown behind, and red shells are honestly not the best at homing onto another player. Bananas, you know what? I'm cool with you guys. They aren't that hard to avoid, but I don't write a strongly worded letter to Nintendo if I end up getting them. The Feather. Now we're in Super Mario Kart exclusive territory. The Feather reappeared in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe's battle mode, but other than that, this thing is laid dormant in the first game, and for all the kids watching, close your ears, things may get a little vulgar. I don't like this item. It gives you a midi jump and you can use it to take shortcuts and jump over walls or other hazards, but it's just too context sensitive. Like if you get a feather when you're right next to a viable shortcut or something, okay, but whenever I get a feather, I want an offensive item. I want something to use. Whenever I get it in a regular race, I just end up wasting it so I can get a new item. This one is only finally looked at because it was exclusive to the first game for forever. It's fine when it's useful, but most of the time it's pretty worthless. Like using the feather effectively is fun to pull off, but like I said, it's just too context sensitive for my liking. The Invincibility Star is pretty great. The Lightning Bolt temporarily shrinking all other players is godlike. The Boo item is exclusive to the multiplayer modes match race and battle mode and steals the other player's item. And coins. Coins are all over the track and can be picked up to increase your top speed. These made a comeback in Mario Kart 7, but they're just not that integral to the game. They're fine, but Mario Kart works perfectly without them. I never really saw that much of a difference comparing somebody collecting coins to somebody with barely any of them. I don't really care about the coins, but I don't hate them either. Now the items in this game are actually pretty balanced in my opinion. None of them seem crazy overpowered when playing against human players. They're not nearly as exciting as newer games, but it's definitely one of the most skill-based balanced item rosters in the series.
excluding this garbage. Now the Grand Prix goes through all the racetracks in the game, and a good majority are actually based off of Super Mario World. Donut Plains, Choco Island, Bowser Castle, there are 20 courses overall spread across four cups, but there are only eight types of courses with multiple variants of most. There are two vanilla lakes, three Bowser Castles, four different Mario circuits, that's kind of boring. While the track layouts are all pretty different, it gets a little tedious and makes each cup feel like the same thing, but with a shuffle track order and with maybe like one different course thrown in there. Choco Island is hard to focus on for me. This Choco texture burns my retinas. Ghost Valley 3 can go laid down. While I like the theme of the track here, it's an absolute classic. Jesus the holes. The Mario Circuit and Donut Plains tracks feel so tonally similar. Grassy Plains stages take up half the track list. Any form of vanilla lake needs to settle down with the ice blocks. But I do like the Bowser Castles though, and it all culminates in the last track of the special cup, Rain Bow Road, the most visually distinct track in the game because, you know, there's only one version of it. And it's a difficult yet solid track. This is no bumper bowling, you can fall out this thing at any moment. I like a good few of the tracks here, but I only really remember the themes, there's nothing distinct about these layout variations. I know this was because of hardware limitations, so that makes this track list understandable but it doesn't make it any less uninteresting at times. Overall, Super Mario Kart's Grand Prix is an unfair slog of a single-player campaign. The computer cheats and the game refuses to let you proceed if you rank lower than fourth place. You have to use one of your three or so lives to retry. The whole lives and ranked out thing isn't bad or anything. It's just kind of odd. Like, the game refuses to let you not rank fairly high and forces you to just keep playing until you do. Other games are like, yeah, tough luck, numbskull. You can get last place in every race. We don't care. We want to see you lose. It's just kind of annoying when you do super well on all tracks but one. I don't know how most people can wake up in the morning knowing Vanilla Lake 1 exists. I'm bad at that track. Just let me get fifth place and move on. Playing through the Grand Prix is like playing with a paddle ball backwards. You can go through time trials for any of the tracks to see if you can get a better time, and then there's multiplayer. You can play with another player in the Grand Prix, play with just one other player on specific tracks and match race, and then oh, the battle mode. This is what makes Mario Kart so great for me. Four different battle tracks that are just giant squares for you and one other player to use items against each other in. I always love the battle mode, it's so great. I will say though, with the walls being flat images on the ground, it makes traversing these stages to be a bit annoying, and with the items not as deathly as in later games, it's not as invigorating of a mode. Still, this alongside just standard multiplayer races is where this one shines the most basically just like any other Mario Kart. Well, that's what I like to call Super Mario Kart on the Super Nintendo. It still is, in fact, Mario Kart, and there is definite fun to be had here, but just like most first entries in a long-running series like this, it isn't the first game I'm jumping to. I'd really recommend playing this game on the original SNES with an original controller. Playing this thing on any system after it just doesn't feel right. This truly is a situation where, oh, I'm playing Super Mario Kart on the Wii U. Why don't I just play Mario Kart 8? After playing it via the original cartridge, everything felt much more natural. This just feels right. I highly recommend if you're looking to give this game a fair chance, play it on original hardware. This is a fun game overall. It's single player just annoys the piss out of me, and of course, it's not that crazy exciting. Super Mario Kart is still a good multiplayer game today. It's just there are much better options, so why play this one? Well, now that I've sustained a paddleball injury and fully think that Super Mario Kart is just okay, I have to let Pass Me know that. Uh, he'll have no f***ing clue what to think about the game without me. Hey, Scott, Scott here. I'm you 14 minutes into the future, and I'm here to warn you that you think Super Mario Kart is just okay. Thank you. <laughs> you did good, future Scott. Well, now I guess I'll just play Mario Kart 64. Scott, wait! Hey y'all, Scott here. I'm considering living in this college dorm for the rest of my life. And you know what that means? I'll be in immense amounts of debt. But it's okay. Just like
like any self-respecting college kid, I'll have my Nintendo 64 and Mario Kart 64 with me, and this will be my only expense other than rent. Yeah, this will be my entertainment, my hobby, my spare time, my caloric intake, my world. Wasn't one of my best ideas. Super Mario Kart did the impossible and started the Mario Kart series. It kickstarted the whole mascot kart racing genre. It was one of the most popular titles on the Super Nintendo and showed a lot of promise as a series. I liked it for what it was, but still had a few problems with it. That's code for I hated it. Not really, but it was obvious that this whole not 3D, 3D style was impressive, but not ideal just yet. Single player wise, races could be frustrating and there were a bunch of repeated track themes. But for an SNES car racer, it was about as good as it could get. And even with all the problems I have with the game, I can still easily squeeze some fun out of it. It's still a good time. However, there was obviously room for improvement. And with Nintendo's next system, the Nintendo 64, true 3D gaming wasn't just possible, it was more than possible. With the console's advanced technical specs and four controller ports for four player games, a new Mario Kart seemed like a shoe in for the N64. Holy shit, they did it. Mario Kart 64. I like this one. While Super Mario Kart was the start of the series, Mario Kart 64 was where the modern Mario Kart series started. I see a lot of people nowadays say how this one isn't as good anymore and has aged. To that I say, well you've aged too, how does that feel? Mario Kart 64 was the Mario Kart game, the one everybody has fond memories of, often considered one of, if not the best game in the series. Everybody has their favorite, and while 64's notoriety has definitely slipped over time due to its age, it's still up there as one of the best. I remember playing this on my cousin's N64 and it always remained one of the most fun in my heart. This was pretty much as pure of a Mario Kart experience as you could get. No gimmicks, nothing this game could really claim as its own thing, it was... Just Mario Kart. Local, multiplayer, bullshit Mario Kart. It's very vanilla when I look back at it. So why is it so revered by myself and so many other people? Is it because it was released during the multiplayer renaissance of the Nintendo 64 era? Probably. Like I said, Mario Kart 64 is definitely aged. I'm not gonna argue that. It's very obviously not as good as really any of these games that succeeded it. However, while it's dated, I still think it's really fun, particularly in multiplayer. While the controls, graphics, overall amount of content just don't hold up today, it doesn't mean 64 isn't fun, far from it. It can still be a blast, and I think it's much better than Super Mario Kart. Mario Kart 64 was initially called Super Mario Kart R during development. All these letters, nuh uh, this one. The developers just decided, <laughs> you know what, let's just fing do it, and gave it the same subtitle as every other Nintendo 64 game. Of course, a big reason why they got rid of the R subtitle was potentially because of Sonic R releasing on the Sega Saturn, another racing game, with racing and game in quotes. You don't want to have the same name as your competition, and you also don't want to have the same name as that, so they just gave it the old 64 treatment while also getting rid of Super in the title. I never lost sleep over this change. The title Mario Kart gets the exact same idea across as Super Mario Kart does. During development, a few key things changed, the most well-known being the fact that Kamek was a playable character before being replaced with Donkey Kong in the final game. It's okay, Kamek got another chance as a Mario Kart character never. I mean, it's fine, I'd probably prefer Donkey Kong being playable here. I don't know many people who played Yoshi's Island saying, damn, I want to drive as this. But it's just odd Kamek was playable in Mario Kart 64 pretty deep into development, it was taken out for no reason and never appeared playable again. Apparently there were hints of him being playable in Mario Kart 8's code, but that's about it. The feather item from Super Mario Kart was supposed to make a comeback in 64, but it was taken out before release. I know people love this thing to death apparently, but if humanity made it two decades without a feather in a Mario Kart game, we can cope with anything. Mario Kart 64 released in early 1997 here in North America, about half a year after the Nintendo 64 launch, so it's understandable why the console is so heavily associated with this game. It's basically been there since the very beginning. 
You had a Nintendo 64, you had Mario Kart. It was just the natural order of things. With the emphasis on multiplayer with this thing, yeah, of course this game did well, right alongside GoldenEye, Smash Brothers, and Mario Party. This opening canonically shows us how deep the Nintendo logo really is and is absolutely classic. Well, let's get into Mario Kart 64. And that's Mario Kart 64 for ya. Yeah, this brings up a bit of a debate with multiplayer games. Should all primary content be available from the start or be unlocked over time? I see a lot of talk surrounding this mainly concerning games like Smash Brothers and of course Mario Kart. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe basically had most content unlocked from the get-go, which did make sense. That was an enhanced port of Mario Kart 8, a game that already sold millions of copies, so would it have really been fun for people to have to unlock all this stuff they already unlocked three years prior? But then look at a game like Smash Brothers Ultimate. That only starts you with eight characters and forces you to unlock the billion other ones there are. Some players were definitely annoyed with this, but hey, that made me appreciate each and every character that much more whenever I'd unlock them. Mario Kart 64 is almost everything you could possibly do in the game available from the start, so let's get down to a pros and cons list of having all the content unlocked from the get-go. Pro, you can just jump right into the game and do whatever you want. Con, the amount of content you have to pick from can be overwhelming and it may be difficult to pick where to start. Not really with Mario Kart 64, but with like Smash Brothers or something. Pro, you don't have to do tedious tasks that you don't want to do to unlock the stuff that you actually want. Con, having everything just handed to you from the start makes it harder to appreciate all the content in the game. It weirdly feels like there's not much to keep you there. Like, I'm not working towards anything here, what's the point? Everybody has their own stance on this. I'm personally on the I like unlockable side of things. So Mario Kart 64 having all the courses, all the characters, all the modes, but one available, uh, makes this one of the weakest Mario Kart single player wise. Sure, Super Mario Kart forcing you to get gold and all the cups to unlock the final one could be frustrating, but yet something you were working towards at least. All cups are available from the start. We got the mainstay 50, 100, 150 cc speeds we can choose from, and an actual character selection. Would you look at this Super Mario Kart? Now this is a Mario Kart roster. We got Wario and Donkey Kong as newcomers. It's everything I could have possibly wanted. DK Jr., you won't be missed. I think he'd be a fun secret addition to a new Mario Kart, but come on. Regular DK deserves a spot more. We don't have Koopa Troopa anymore, but regardless, this is classic Mario Kart right here. We'll talk about the courses in a quick sec. Let's just bask in the glory of outdated kart racer. This isn't necessarily an ugly game today. It just looks outdated, but it has its charm. You can still tell what everything is. The tracks are simple, but still well designed. I think it's way better than Super Mario Kart in this regard. The tracks are actually 3D, and it's way easier to judge distance and see everything. The characters are 2D though, just flat images of 3D models, which was a smart move. It helped this game run as well as it does. I definitely couldn't tell they weren't fully 3D as a kid, and they have a certain quirkiness to them I like. The back of Yoshi's head is more iconic than Warren Harding, my favorite 29th president of the United States. I can easily tell you all the playable characters in Mario Kart 64, but who the f was the 28th president? I don't know. The soundtrack has some incredibly memorable tunes. Ah, oh, it was Woodrow Wilson. Although I would say Super Mario Kart had better ones. The 64s are great, it just can't beat its predecessor in my opinion. At least now we have character voices. A few are pretty spot on with what we have today. And then there's Toad, he sounds like a 16 year old girl who's capable of saying full sentences. I don't know, I kinda like it. Yoshi didn't have that regular fluttery voice we know him to have now. And that started with Yoshi's story. Here he has the same sound effects we got in Super Mario World and I still have no idea what this sound is supposed to represent. 64 introduced so many new items. Everything returns from Super Mario Kart except the feather and the coins. I was cool with the coins, but they were fairly superfluous in my opinion. And the feather, oh man, how dare they not include my favorite thing to weigh so I can get a shell or something. They included a lot of new variants of items this time. Three mushrooms, which give you three speed boosts, and the super mushroom that just gives you as many boosts as you want for a limited time. A fake item box, something to trick your fellow players with. They're fairly hard to distinguish in this game compared to how they are in later entries. I kinda like 
like that. Three green and red shells, like a ton of bananas, and it, the blue shell, professionally known as the spiny shell, targets the player in first place. It's not horrible in this game, I believe its true power was unleashed in Mario Kart Wii, but here, it's fairly well balanced. Alright, we're talking politics! It's your favorite honor, and today we're gonna be settling this right now. Does Mario Kart 64 control poorly, or alright? Yes. Mario Kart 64 isn't the best controlling Mario Kart. It's manageable, but Jesus Christ, this thing can be terrifying behind the wheel. Drifting, just like with the first game, is a bit too all or nothing for me personally. I feel like whenever I go to drift, it's just too much. You get a boost of speed for correctly pulling it off, so there's more of a reason to do it here than with Super Mario Kart, but I just don't want to risk it most of the time. On 150cc, you can spin out by turning too quickly. I don't like that. The game control's fine, like, I still feel fairly in control of things. It's just pretty loose, and drifting still hasn't been perfected. But then again, sometimes the controls feel stiff as all hell. Like, when I need to turn quickly, I just can and run into whatever's in front of me. Couple that with the fact the saps in the first couple places cheat just like they did in Super Mario Kart, and you have a recipe for, well, this is kind of annoying. Seriously, here I used loads of speed boosts, yet Yoshi remains unrealistically far away. Now the courses. You know what, 64 is some of the most memorable and fun tracks in the entire series and also some of the most frustrating as well. The Mushroom Cup houses some of the easiest courses in the game. The later the cup, the more difficult they usually are, so makes sense. While these are some of the easiest, they're definitely some of the most well-designed. These are just inherently enjoyable to race on. Calamari Desert is easily the coolest one. It has a train. It's like, compared to most humans, Calamari Desert will always have that going for it. The other ones are fine. I think Koopa Troopa Beach would rank second. Luigi Raceway might be third for me. Like, yeah, sure, Moo Moo Farm has moles, but I'm a sucker for traditional generic Mario Kart tracks like this. I don't know why. Flower Cup's a bit lamer. The coolest one here is Toad's Turnpike. It's only sometimes cooler when Mario Kart has tracks like this that are like places in real life compared to fun colors and shapes with the wackier tracks. Frappe Snowland and Chaco Mountain aren't my thing. A Chaco has so many ledges to fall off of and the overall design is boring, who cares? Now I'm fine with Mario Kart tracks having ledges you can fall off of, but this... You gotta be kidding me. So what the hell happened here? Frappe is better, but nothing that great. This cup ends things off with Mario Raceway. I know I just said I like the generic Mario Kart tracks, but we literally just had one in the last cup. And there's not much to distinguish this one from Luigi Raceway. There's a pipe tunnel in Mario Raceway, and just a tunnel in Luigi Raceway. Whoa. Star Cup! Wario Stadium is garbage. This isn't course design, this is an intestinal track. It just goes on and on and on, and much like Chaco Mountain, the ambiance isn't doing too much for me here. Yeah, copy and paste Wario faces as much as you want, they can't save this one in my opinion. I like the concept of the whole stadium thing. I just don't care for it here. Now, Sherbet Land is a much more interesting frat-based snowland. It's definitely more difficult, but that's to be expected. Royal Raceway, I like this one. A track taking place nearby Peach's Castle. This is one of my favorites in the game. Simple, but fun. Bowser's Castle. Eh, the setting and tone are amazing here, but Jesus, these hazards are just annoying. They're not like, oh, watch out for this. They're more like, stop and wait for this swamp to do its thing and then go. Finally, the Special Cup, the most unique selection of tracks yet. DK's Jungle Parkway, the only thing I really remember in this one is this giant jump. But Yoshi Valley I remember because the game just can't comprehend you're even playing on this course. It's so complicated that the game just says, I'm not even gonna try and figure this one out and labels all positions as question marks. It has another one of these hazards where sometimes, you just gotta stop and wait, but it's easily one of my favorite 64 tracks. Banshee Boardwalk, another one I keep forgetting about. This is basically a next-gen version of the Ghost Valley tracks in Super Mario Kart. It's alright. But we end things off with a new take on Rainbow Road, the longest track ever. Seriously, this thing goes on forever. It's not a particularly interesting Rainbow Road, to be honest. It's just... 
Kind of long. Overall, I like a lot of these tracks. Forgot a handful of them exist and dislike a few of them. I think the entire track selection is pretty decent, but so far I've mainly been talking about this from the single player perspective. In multiplayer, these are all a blast. I mean, it's Mario Kart, why wouldn't they be? Even the tracks I despise, the fact I dislike them makes them fun in multiplayer. It's weird how that works out. It's so much fun to get frustrated alongside friends. It's fun to see hazards absolutely ruin your friend's day and then mess you up as well. The hazards in Mario Kart 64 absolutely obliterate players and it is the best. I thought it took forever to recover in Super Mario Kart. No, 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 have you seen Mario Kart 64? Even hitting other players with items, it's sharp and quick, it's fantastic. All these elements, the hazards, rubber banding AI, some of the super long tracks, weird controls, they make Mario Kart 64 frustrating if you just wanna go through all the tracks and get first place in single player, but makes for a stupid fun multiplayer experience even to this day. With no big unlocks, there's not much incentive to continue playing by yourself, but in multiplayer, this is not an issue in the slightest. It isn't the best Mario Kart, but it was the original four-player king of kart. This is where Mario Kart truly started. And it has an amazing battle mode. Four legendary arenas. Block four. Yeah, my funeral's gonna be held there. Battles to the death. I love battle mode, and 64 had one of the best ones still to this very day. You can also mess around with time trials. Yeah, these were never really my go-to in Mario Karts. And if you get all the gold trophies in each of the 150cc cups, you get extra mode. It's mirrored versions of the courses, that was worth it. Mario Kart 64, is it still fun multiplayer-wise? Is it frustratingly dated single-player-wise? Yeah, Mario Kart 64, it's aged poorly, I do agree with that to an extent but I think it's still much more playable and fun than some people give it credit. It definitely stumbles with some track designs, a handful are way too long, a bit unfocused with so many hazards that just do way too much damage, and so many ledges you can just easily fall off of, all that stuff. This is a Mario Kart game, it needs to have garbage like this, but it feels a bit too much here. But that's in terms of single player, when you're just trying to win, get first place, and move on. When it comes to multiplayer, yeah, this is still a crazy fun time. Not perfect by a long shot, and you may as well just play the most recent Mario Kart instead, but this is still loads of fun. Also, the speedrunning community for this game is phenomenal and highly underrated. It's so much fun seeing all the shortcuts and glitches they perform to skip laps. I love it. Now, of course, the question still remains. Why is this still so revered when it's such a vanilla Mario Kart? I don't know. This is where the modern Mario Kart formula was born. The fact that it's so simple and pure makes it fun in its own way compared to something like Mario Kart 8. I'd still vastly prefer playing that compared to this. And it may be a bit of nostalgia, but 64 still has a lot of charm to it, as dated as it is. It's still fun, and it's still Mario Kart. Also, there's a lot of random things I keep forgetting you can do in this game, like change the minimap and turn it into a speedometer and a much more artsy minimap, or turn off the background music by hitting L. I forgot you could do that. I accidentally hit the L button and I thought it was a glitch. But hey, you learn something new every day. Yesterday I found out I was doing laundry wrong this whole time. You gotta be kidding me. Hey all, Scott here. Nothing makes the blind more uncomfortable than a good old-fashioned game of charades. Let's go on eBay and look for a stack of Game Boy Advance games. I mean, what else is eBay meant for? Ah, you see, this one includes Mario Kart Super Circuit. This one has Mario Kart Super Circuit. Here's a lot with Mario Kart Super Circuit. Oh, hey, Bionicle, and Mario Kart Super Circuit. From this, I can tell Mario Kart Super Circuit's a really popular game that absolutely nobody wants. Yes, the very first portable Mario Kart title. You could play the first two games on the go, but that was a mess. Plus, there was a rumor back in the day that supposedly a Mario Kart for the Virtual Boy was in development. The only proof of this is some German magazine listing it as in the works. And by in the works, they meant possibly 
likely never was in the works, and if it was in the works, thank god they put this game out of its misery. Even if a Virtual Boy Mario Kart released, this would have still been the first truly handheld Mario Kart. It was always incredibly exciting to see what once was a home console exclusive series make the jump to a portable. To be able to play Mario Kart wherever you want, that was a huge deal. This was the first Mario Kart title I owned myself, and I played this like crazy on road trips, and I lost it at my uncle's house. That was a rough patch of my career as a six-year-old. Regardless of losing it, I always retain some great memories of this title. It had a certain charm with the graphics and music that always resonated with me. To be honest, this was the Mario Kart of my childhood. Mario Kart Super Circuit, also known as They Keep Getting Smaller, came soon after the launch of the Game Boy Advance in 2001, and they definitely waited for the right time to actually put Mario Kart on a handheld. And in my opinion, this game made the Game Boy Advance look competent as all hell. It was originally titled Mario Kart Advance, which turned out to be the final name in Japan, and it was developed by Intelligent Systems, a developer well known for WarioWare, Paper Mario, Advance Wars, and that one series all those Smash Brothers characters came from. This was the only Mario Kart they ever developed. I don't know why they specifically made this one. I assume it was because Nintendo themselves were busy with other games at the time, but who knows. Yeah, there's just not a lot of background to this one. It's a Mario Kart that came out. Well, that's one point for Super Circuit. Oh, this is a close one. Super Circuit's the Mario Kart game everybody forgets about, the one, in my opinion, that impacted the series the least. That doesn't mean it's bad. It's just the best worst Mario Kart. It's obviously not something I'd actively want to play in comparison to, you know, most other Mario Karts, but it's still a decent game. I think it gives Super Mario Kart a run for its money if that means anything to you. But does it deserve to be the highest rated Mario Kart of all time on Metacritic? Now I think more people have fond memories of Mario Kart DS in comparison to this one. A DS was such a monumental game in the series, introducing so much that would become staples of the franchise. Well, Super Circuit's just kinda Mario Kart for Game Boy Advance and not much else. I actually never owned Mario Kart DS in its heyday, but obviously I did own Mario Kart Super Circuit, yeah I'm one of those guys. These games are comparable just because they were the first two portable Mario Karts, and I think it's fair to say they represent two very different eras of the series, even though they were only released four years apart. DS has that chaotic, wacky fun of the modern games, while Super Circuit is far closer to the more skill-based gameplay of Super Mario Kart. And by more skill-based, I mean you can't just barf out a bullet bill and go wee. The computer players cheat here, you have to deal with it and play better than them. Alright, enough done. Let's see why nobody cares about this game anymore. Title screen wise. I like this. Mario Kart wise. It's Mario Kart. It uses 2D tracks just like Super Mario Kart, but features the same character roster from Mario Kart 64, including a good majority of the same items with no new items introduced. Very similar character sprites to 64, uh, the same character voices from that game are reused as well, except we finally get some new Yoshi action. This is just taking Super Mario Kart and Mario Kart 64 and making them do unthinkable things to each other, turning out, in my opinion, the most forgettable entry in the series. It's strange though, see it's obviously one of the least original Mario Karts, but it weirdly has a lot of its own style. The music is definitely unique compared to the other kart games, and I really like it for that. And with the visuals, while the sprites are based off of Mario Kart 64, as a whole it has some spunk. Seeing these characters all pixelated yet rotate around like they're fully 3D is oddly charming. The tracks have art associated with them, and it's just an interesting looking game overall, even with all of its limitations. However, since this is very similar style-wise to Super Mario Kart, we get a lot of the same problems here. It's hard to see things in the distance or judge where you are in relation to the environment. Sometimes I'm yelling, what do you mean I 
I fell here. And then I realized, oh, the game can't hear me. Nintendo has customer support for a reason. Now, you see, following up Mario Kart 64, the developers obviously had a tough problem to overcome. How do they make this game more fun than its predecessor? You see, that's where they really innovated. They just didn't. Well, this one was definitely more interesting to go back and play. I just had more fun with Mario Kart 64. Plus, the fact this game didn't really introduce anything major to the series kind of makes it a Mario Kart that just kind of happened. It just took the past two games, mixed them together, and blam. It's really weird. It feels like Super Mario Kart. It looks like Super Mario Kart. But various elements are taken from Mario Kart 64, and certain parts feel like that game as well. While a bit of 64's more arcadey feel is present here, this is definitely most similar to the first game. And that's evident by one major returning element. While the feather item didn't return from Super Mario Kart, Intelligent Systems made sure to bring back a fan favorite. COINS ARE BACK, BITCHES! Finally, it's been so long since I haven't cared about coins in a Mario Kart game. Just like with Super, they're all over the track and collecting them increases your top speed, but man, when you have zero or one coin left, this game just loves letting you know with a persistent beeping. And it happens a lot. Other racers give me love taps all the time, which makes you lose coins. For God's sakes, this feels like bumper cars. Now with the characters, like I said, it's just Mario Kart 64's roster. I stand corrected. There's one new addition to the roster. Random. I would love to see the item box be a playable racer someday. Now with this game, all the character stats are displayed. I personally go with Vanilla, Mario, and Luigi. All the other characters are too lightweight, too slow, or too Yoshi. I just found the most success with these guys. I like that they got Rare to provide Donkey Kong's model for this game. I like the thought of intelligent systems trying to make it themselves. We just can't do it. The game controls. It, it controls fine. It's not like the greatest feeling in the world, but it's not bad. I think the best way to describe it is it, it probably controls exactly how you'd expect it to. You look at a sprite-based racing game like this, you control on a Game Boy Advance, like, yeah, you probably get it. It's not gonna be the greatest, but it's tolerable, it works, it's fine for what it is. It's just nothing that I go, man, I want to control this. Drifting still isn't my favorite thing to do here once again. I find it more beneficial to not drift half the time. Yep, it's official, I'm certified worthless. Now one characteristic of Super Circuit I obviously have to commend. It has 40 f***ing tracks. Jesus Christ, they really pulled out all the stops with this one. Not only do they have 20 new tracks made specifically for this game, but you can unlock all 20 of the tracks from Super Mario Kart. And look, they're actually full screen this time. Bringing back an assortment of retro tracks has been a staple of the series since Mario Kart DS, but it technically initially started with this game. I have to give them props. The GBA loved itself some remakes and ports. They definitely could have just ported Super Mario Kart to the system and call it a day, but no. The remake of Super Mario Kart was just a bonus you got for playing through the new game, which was a fully featured original Mario Kart. They didn't have to bring over the SNES tracks, so this is really cool. Now unlocking the tracks is what some Scots playing Super Circuit right now would consider a pain. Yeah, you have the first four cups unlocked from the get-go. Oh, wait, first four. Ah, oh, yes, the Lightning Cup. Yeah, I haven't seen that one before. This would eventually be relegated to one of the four retro track cups from Mario Kart DS onward, but Intelligent Systems maintain they weren't making a Mario Kart game if they weren't putting the Lightning Cup in there. So you have to play through all four cups. You get gold by placing first overall in each of them. Then the Special Cup unlocks, and you can play the final cup in the game. Just kidding. Now you have to go back and complete all the cups again, but now collecting at least 100 coins overall. And that way, you unlock the extra cups, which are filled with the tracks from Super Mario Kart. Man, measles are sounded pretty good right now. Now, whichever engine class you complete this in, the tracks you unlock don't transfer over to the other ones. I unlock the special cup in 100cc, I still have to unlock it in 50 and 150cc. 
I tried 150cc and did okay, but then I said, fuck it, I love being a wuss, we're going 100. This isn't a difficult game, it's just harder to pick up and play compared to the modern stuff. It retains that classic Mario Kart balancing from Super Mario Kart in 64. If you're in the nosebleeds all the way back in 8th place, you have to actually be skilled enough to make your way back up the pack. It's not super hard, but you just can't bank on getting a super overpowered item to bring you up the ranks. CPUs rarely attack with items, and they primarily just get speed increases, keeping them on your tail consistently. But hey, some of the new tracks here can be pretty neat. We got the first Mario Kart track in history with rats. Ribbon Road, Yoshi Desert, I love the music of Snowland, but similarly to Super Mario Kart, we get a lot of repeated track themes. And I love Bowser Castle so much, I want six more, thank god. Yeah, that works against this game in my opinion. It makes a lot of the cups feel repetitive when so many have a Bowser Castle, have a standard circuit course, there's two coast tracks. And then with all the Super Mario Kart tracks, it's like, man, here's four Mario Circuits from that game. Plus, a lot of the themes of the new tracks are themes from Super Mario Kart. So while, yeah, it's cool this game has so many tracks, you get a lot of repeats. Couple that with the 2D designs, the fact that most of the backgrounds are just sort of there. There's not a ton of major gimmicks, and that makes none of these tracks really stand out too much. None of them I necessarily thought of as bad, it's just they're all really average. Nothing was overwhelmingly cool or great, but they got the job done. Nothing too memorable, but nothing too bad. Now Mario Kart ain't Mario Kart without multiplayer, so I'm gonna whip out the Wii U Virtual Concert release to play with some controllers. Why would I ever think that was gonna be possible? Bust out your GBA link cables because we're playing the definition of local multiplayer. Yeah, it's... It works. You only need one copy of the game, which is nice, but only using one game cartridge limits you to only four courses you can play on and forcing everybody to play as Yoshi. If you want a fuller experience, as in being able to race on whichever course you want, being able to play as whichever character you want, or play battle mode, get multiple copies of the game. What, do you think this was a charity? There's time trials, which I care about. Yeah, right. And then there's quick run, which is just playing whatever course you want to that you have unlocked just for a quick run. I have a lot of memories with Mario Kart Super Circuit, but it's very obvious to me why this one is very rarely brought up nowadays. It's an interesting blend of the two games before it, but it isn't much more than that. Plus, Mario Kart is most well known for its multiplayer, and this is easily one of the most difficult games to get that going on. All the console entries, you just need multiple controllers. The DS and 3DS games, you just need one copy of the game and multiple systems. Super Circuit, you need one copy of the game, multiple systems, and link cables. And if you don't like playing basically a trial version of the game with your friends, even if you own a full copy, they need to have their own copies so you can play on all the courses or play battle mode. It's definitely quality, but it's also not a necessary game to play today, or a necessary one to look back on. It didn't bring much to the series, but it has decent, albeit forgettable track design, and the fact that it brought Mario Kart on road trips for me, will always give it a special place in my heart. So yeah, my love for this game is purely nostalgic. Looking at it critically, it's fine, it's just nothing special. So now I have to compare it to something else that I'm nostalgic over. So how does Mario Kart Super Circuit compare to Classroom Jeopardy? Yeah, it f***ing stinks. Hey y'all, Scott here. Ever since the beginning of time in November of 2003, mankind has asked one question. Why is there only one game called Mario Kart Double Dash? It's a title that fits most game releases. However, after a painstaking 20 minutes of research, I think I've finally cracked the code on why there's only one game called Mario Kart Double Dash. We got two trademarks on this title. See, if Nintendo didn't monopolize the industry, we would have like nine games called that by now. And here we have the College Essentials. Mario Kart Double Dash is the only Mario Kart game with more than one exclamation mark. 
It's the only Mario Kart with an exclamation mark. But yes, it deserves the two. The fourth Mario Kart game, the one on the GameCube, the title that had the audacity to follow up Mario Kart Super Circuit. It's really interesting to see how the Mario Kart series evolved within its first few entries. We go from Super Mario Kart to Mario Kart 64, and at this point you may have said, oh man, I can't wait to see how crazy the next one is. I mean, that's what you get for alternating between console and handheld versions of Mario Kart. The next entry wasn't always gonna look like a true evolution, but Double Dash was that. After over half a decade of waiting after Mario Kart 64, we finally got a truly upgraded Mario Kart title in every way. And that's incredibly obvious just looking at the reviews at the time of its release in 2003. What? Double Dash's reception was a bit mixed at the time. Sure, the vast majority of it was pretty positive, but many reviewers felt a bit underwhelmed with the game. It was such a long time between 64 and Double Dash that I guess some were just expecting a bit more. Well, let's take a look at Mario Kart Double Dash to see why exactly IGN would give it a 7.9 out of 10, those fucking savages. Mario Kart Double Dash was announced at E3 2001 as simply Mario Kart for Nintendo GameCube, and they pulled out all the stops with this one, showing everybody what a true next-gen Mario Kart title would look like by putting Super Smash Bros. Melee models in go-karts. Interesting tactic. This was either a very early prototype of Mario Kart on the GameCube, or Nintendo was like, oh shit, oh shit, we need to show Mario Kart on the GameCube. I got it. Nearly two years later in April 2003, Mario Kart Double Dash was formally unveiled. Was any of the E3 2001 clip indicative of what was revealed in April 2003? Nope! Double Dash was clearly doing things a bit differently compared to the three previous games. Two characters in one cart. Special items you can use based on what characters you picked. Land play for god's sakes. This was looking to be the greatest Mario Kart Double Dash of all time. After being playable at E3 2003, the game released in November of that year and people like me won't shut up about it. So that was a short build up to release board game. There's not much left to do other than actually play the thing. Oh wait, I stand corrected. We have to check out the bone! Bonus disc. So this is why people gave a shit about this game. If you pre-ordered Mario Kart Double Dash at certain stores, you'd get a special edition including a bonus disc filled with demos and game trailers. Alright, Mario Party 5 has a demo! I get to pick the characters I play with. I like to choose strange groups of characters. Like if you were invited to a party and these were the only ones there, would you go? Just a handful of mini games to choose from here, nothing crazy, but nothing that would actively get me to not buy Mario Party 5. F-Zero GX, god I stink. Just one race and then it boots you back to the menu. I mean, yeah, I guess that's enough to figure out if you're into F-Zero GX or not, but the other demos have so much more to them. Like Sonic Heroes, you get two full stages here. It's almost as long as Sonic Forces. Star Wars Rogue Squadron 3. This game still looks good to this day. Whenever I see gameplay, it's like, whoa, man, certain parts look like they were ripped right from the movies. And finally, we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. A big thank you to Konami for putting this demo in here. And now I know for a fact I don't want to buy Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You can get bonus items for Fire Emblem on GBA if you connect the little guy to the GameCube with Fire Emblem in it. I don't own the game, and before you ask, you can't trick it into downloading the items into Mario Party Advance. Just trailers left. I do like these on demo discs though, because you get fairly high quality versions of trailers from back in the day. It's especially cool when you see games earlier in development, like uh, Pokemon Coliseum here doesn't even have a final logo yet. And man, watching the Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles trailer made me realize, man, I love Mario Kart. The 1080 Avalanche trailer reeks of early 2000s with the choice of background music. The promo for Kirby Air Ride is a promo for the Kirby right back at your show, which leads into an air ride promo. I almost had to sound the alarms. Harry Potter Quidditch World Cup. I bought this for like five bucks at GameStop one day. I played it for 10 minutes and never played it again. SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom. Now we're talking. This was the game back in the day, but you don't have to take my word for it. Ask any person born in the late 90s. We're legally obligated to shove this game down your throat. And NBA Live 04. 
How many sentences start with, I bought NBA Live 04 because of the Mario Kart bonus disc. I need a little novelty for pre-ordering the game. I mean, you can cruise through the contents of this thing in a solid hour or so, but it's still a nice bonus. Now, is there anything else to talk about before we actually play Mario Kart Double Dash? The L on Luigi's head is backwards. We're off to a bad start. If the L is backwards, what does that mean for the rest of the game? Well, there's only one way to find out. I want to meet somebody with a tattoo of this title screen. Mario Kart Double Dash is a standard Mario Kart title, but with a twist. I mean, that was evident by the fact that the first frame of gameplay shows more Luigi-ass than usual for the series. Two characters per cart. You have to pick two before a race. You can't just go at it alone as Birdo. You have to pick a teammate. The option would have been nice. One character drives, the other ensures they will get pulled over at some point, and the gameplay... It's Mario Kart. Lap around the track and average it three times, try to get first, run into item boxes to use a random item against opponents. The team aspect doesn't change the core gameplay that awful much, but it does add some strategy. One runs, the other guns. The character in front drives while the one in the back deals with the items. You switch the characters by pressing the Z button and switching is integral to item play here. You can hold two whole items at once. Now, it's not like in previous games where if you grab something like a banana peel, you could hold that behind you and then grab another item in reserve. <laughs> Now, in Double Dash, you can grab two items at once by driving into an item box, switching the character so the one in the back seat has their hands free, and then run into another box to get another item. You can't pass up this deal. This allows you to choose which item you use first. Both characters hold on to one, and you can switch between the characters to choose what you squirt out. You can actually hold on to a specific item for as long as you can keep it in the driver's hands. You can save a mushroom or something while you grab and use more items. Now, just because you can hold on to two items at once, it's really not like previous games. You can't hold an item behind you as a form of defense. You're vulnerable at all times unless you throw a banana or shell behind you at the very last second if somebody's throwing something at you. Triple shells, yeah, those don't surround you. You decide to surrender to flashiness over function and juggle. Now, there are double item boxes, usually in harder to reach places than the single item ones. These give you two items instantly. You don't have to switch characters or anything. In fact, when you use one of the two items, the characters automatically switch positions so you can use your second item instantly. There will be a test. Now, because you have a partner, you can actually team up with an actual human being to play co-op. One player drives, the other uses items. Give me an E, give me an H, this mode is just fine. I'm happy it's here, it's cool a Mario Kart game has a form of cooperative play, but it just makes it so both players are experiencing only half the fun of Mario Kart, especially the item user. There will be prolonged moments where you're just not doing anything. But that's pretty much all the dual characters amount to gameplay-wise. They're a fun addition, but all they do is add a hint of strategy to racing from time to time. Nothing major, but it still makes Double Dash really accessible. You don't have to switch characters at all, really. But if you want to master the game, you're gonna have to swap religiously. It makes this game, out of all the Mario Karts, stick out in a really good way. It's 8.07, I'm due for my weekly complaining about a Mario Kart's controls. I mean, I had something to whine about with all the games before this, but with Double Dash... My god, they did it. They finally nailed the controls of everything here, especially the drifting. Something about using the GameCube's triggers and the drifting and Double Dash just go together so well. It feels so good. And we gotta talk about the rocket start. Most Mario Karts give you a boost right at the start of the race if you start accelerating at a specific time during the countdown. Double Dash gives you the boost if you start accelerating the exact moment the light turns green. And Christ, it's strict. But you don't just have to do that. You can tap the A button rapidly once the countdown begins to get the same result. Yeah, I only do it this way. Why wouldn't I? The controls may feel a bit looser than preferred, but it's nowhere near as hard to pull off a drift as it was with previous games, so the warrant's been updated. Now, because we have two characters per cart, Double Dash had to include, like, 50 characters. 
We got 20, damn it. All the characters from 64 and Super Circuit return alongside Koopa Troopa coming back from Super Mario Kart. But we actually got more new characters added than returning ones here. Just like death, Daisy being playable in Mario Kart was inevitable, so whatever. Baby Mario and Baby Luigi, this raises more questions than answers. Koopa Paratroopa, these two are literally the same character except one's the product of crossbreeding. Diddy Kong, Bowser Jr., Waluigi, all are characters that make total sense for the series. King Boo and Petey Piranha are total, yeah we had some extra time in development and felt like drawn circles. But they're really fun characters to have as options. Birdo. And they introduced Toadette. Not just introduce her to Mario Kart, but introduce her as a character in general. This was her first appearance ever, and the first time I asked, what are these legally considered? Toadette was definitely just created to give Toad a partner in this game, because every character is associated with another. They all have a partner. Mario and Luigi, Peach and Daisy, Bowser and Bowser Jr., King Boo and Petey Piranha, because you can't have one without the other. Now, the characters having designated partners doesn't mean you have to use both. You can mix and match these guys any way you please. Morally, I feel it's just right to pick the characters that are already partners, but I love making combinations that just make no sense. Like, how the hell did we get to this point? I do love the character selection in this game, just for having all the Mario characters you'd expect to have in a Mario Kart, plus some why the f**ks. You can't have a Mario Kart roster without some why the f**ks. You also get a selection of different types of carts for the first time, and not every character can use every cart, but you usually get a selection of three or so vehicles per character combination. You have a lot to choose from when it comes to character combinations and cart types to affect your speed and weight, but this is just where the strategy begins when picking characters. Each character team has their own special item only those characters can use. Mario and Luigi can barf out fireballs, Peach and Daisy have hearts that protect them and can also steal some items, Yoshi and Birdo have eggs that home in on other players and break apart showering the ground with three items, Baby Mario and Baby Luigi have Whiplash, Koopa Troopa and Koopa Paratroopa have triple shells. They're not available to everybody in this game, only they can use them, that's kinda raw. Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong have a giant banana peel, Bowser and Bowser Jr. have a giant Bowser shell, these are both as self-explanatory as they get. Wario and Waluigi have bombs, and Toad and Toadette have a golden mushroom. Again, an item that was once available to everybody, now exclusive to only two characters. King Boo and Peter Piranha don't even have their own special items, instead they can randomly get any special character exclusive item in the game, Jesus. Now, mixing and matching the characters makes it more random what special items you get. Like if I pick Luigi and Paratroopa, because they're both products of crossbreeding, I can can get the fireballs and the triple shells, but if I really just want the fireballs, it's easier just to pick Mario and Luigi, so it's a surefire bet my special item will be some fireballs. When you have a mix and match team, if you want a higher chance of getting a specific character special item, you have to make sure they're the one in the back of the car, which I'm not always paying attention to. No new general items that everybody can use though. The only new items in Double Dash are the special ones. That and the fact that items that were once usable by everybody like the golden mushroom and triple shells are now special special items are pretty lame, but I love the idea of character-specific items in this game. As sure in Super Mario Kart, character-specific items did exist, but they were only used by CPUs. I love that there's actually a reason to pick characters over others. Sure, Mario Kart characters vary in terms of weight, but overall, you just kind of pick a Mario Kart character because, oh, this one looks cool, I'll play as this one. Double Dash actually gives you a reason to want to play as different characters, and I love that. But as much fun as the specials are, they're pretty overpowered. That makes them a ton of fun to use, but it does make Double Dash crazier than all hell. This game is pure chaos. This is the craziest Mario Kart out there. You will never have a couple of seconds go by without like three items flying past you. With two characters per card, that means more items are out there than usual, and with the special items being so huge and overpowered, it just makes playing this game absolutely insane. If you're sitting down to play through Double Dash to unlock the hidden characters and tracks, it's a mess. If you're sitting down to play Double Dash with friends, 
it is some of the most fun you can muster out of any Mario Kart. You get knocked around so much, items are everywhere, and special items like Bowser's shell and the giant banana take up an entire county's worth of size. It's a lot of fun in multiplayer, but a lot of the strategy that goes into Double Dash's new elements is sadly almost completely pointless with the amount of random bullshit happening all the time. Its physics can be a little wonky sometimes, the item balance is crazier than I remember, this is a train wreck of a game to sit down and try to complete in single player, but that makes it ridiculously fun in multiplayer. Well, let's move on to the tracks. We go back to the standard number of tracks from Mario Kart 64, 16 across four cups. The Mushroom Cup starts off with Luigi Circuit. Yep, yeah, that's the stupidest date I've ever seen, but it's your standard no-nonsense Mario Kart course. This is your lame stepdad's favorite track. This is an interesting one just because you can pass by racers going in the opposite direction of you based on how the track layout is. Peach Beach and Dry Dry Desert are okay, just nothing special to be honest. Uh, Peach Beach has the interesting distinction of being yet another one of the stupidest dates I've ever seen. So stupid, I might just censor it. But then we have Baby Park, a seven lap oval. That's it. Because of how small this track is and the amount of laps and the amount of bullshit, this is a fun one. So many items blazing around, all the racers are rubbing up against each other. It's crazy how one of Double Dash's greatest tracks is a f***ing circle. Flower Cup. Mushroom Bridge is alright, I mainly remember it just because the music sounds like business is getting done. Mario Circuit's a less memorable Luigi circuit to me, just because it ain't a lanky 8, that's for sure. There's a Chain Champ though, that's pretty fun. Daisy Cruiser is the track from Double Dash. You're on a cruise ship, you can go through a dining area where the tables are shifting all over the place, you can fall down this whole damn it. Well, Luigi Stadium's a fun time. It's like the Double Dash take on 64's Wario Stadium, and it has a whole lot of Piranha Plant budget cuts. I like this one because it really does feel like a motocross stadium. It's a good time. Star Cup. Sherbet Land is garbage. I hate this one. There's too many freezies. Mushroom City is a bit of a cooler take on Mushroom Bridge's concept, but it's a bit harder. Yoshi Circuit finally answers the question, what does it feel like to drive on Yoshi? Just the fact that they were able to make a good track out of an outline of Yoshi is all it takes to make this the best circuit track of the game. DK Mountain, this part with the crack, lame, but everything else is great. Now you have to get first overall in the 100cc Star Cup to unlock the Special Cup, and after you do, we have Wario Coliseum, a two lap course because of how honking long this thing is. But it's a really fun one, I love the atmosphere of being in this giant go-kart cage match. The Dino Dino Jungle is neat just because of its use of dinosaur feet. Overall this one's okay, but Bowser's Castle feels like an epic adventure. Every single part of this course has something crazy going on. I don't know what it is with this one, but I love this rendition of Bowser's Castle, and f**k Rainbow Road. This one just annoys me, I always feel like the camera or track is at an angle to where it's too hard to see what the hell is coming up. I proudly get last place every time. So getting first overall in the 150cc cup is what pure pain feels like, and it unlocks the All Cup Tour, a marathon of all the tracks in the game thus far. There's nothing new to any of this, it's literally just playing all the tracks in the game again. Am I really gonna go through with this? No. I did it anyways. I mean, you have to place first an All Cup Tour on 150cc to unlock Mirror Mode, and then you have to beat the Star Cup on Mirror Mode to unlock King Boo and Petey Piranha. You can't have one without the f***ing other! Toad and Toadette are the only other unlockable pair of characters, and they're unlocked by beating the Special Cup on 100cc. God, Toad is such a flaccid unlockable character. Like, is it really exciting to unlock Toad in a Mario Kart game? Who goes... Holy sh**! Oh my god, uh, I mean, I'll give Double Dash that, they actually have junk for you to work towards. 64 had barely anything to keep you playing single player wise, and Super Mario Kart was just really tedious because you had to get first place in everything to unlock the special cup. But with Double Dash, just with what I said earlier, this game is nuts. You'll have a good run with a cup, looking to get first place overall, and then... reality sets in. It can be tedious and difficult to unlock everything, but hey, 
It's not as bad as Super Mario Kart. The Oak Cup Tour actually wasn't that bad overall. It takes about 40 minutes, but because you have so many tracks to get through, there's a lot more wiggle room to screw up. Well, we can piss off to Battle Mode, which is in fact one of my favorite parts of Double Dash. At least one of my favorites as a kid. Look at these maps. Cookie Land, Block City, Pipe Plaza, this one. I like this one. It's the most boring geographically, but it's the most GameCube geographically. There are actually more battle modes this time. Outside of Balloon Battle, we have bob and Blast, where you just try to hit the most racers without getting hit as much as they do. And then there's Shine Thief, where you have to nab the shine from Mario Sunshine and keep it until the timer goes down to zero. There was quite a bit of Mario Sunshine love thrown into Double Dash, and most obviously the award ceremony at the end of a cup. Now, all of these maps can be played across all the different battle modes, and yes, that includes the two unlockable maps, son of a bitch. All right, let's unlock Luigi's Mansion and Tilt-A-Cart. Yeah, that's Luigi's Mansion. And yep, that is tilt a cart. Finally, let's talk one of Double Dash's defining traits. Not many have experienced this, including myself, but it offers LAN play. You can play this game with up to 16 people by connecting up to eight GameCubes together with its broadband adapter. That way, everybody can have their own TV screen. You don't have to abide by the laws of split screen and look at what your opponents are doing. Now, I'm personally fine with four player split screen. It works perfectly fine in Double Dash, but to have your own screen and to have 16 people playing at the same time, that was unheard of for Mario Kart. It's an awesome feature that not many have experienced, but from what I've heard, it was pretty magical. So that was Mario Kart Double Dash. Is it the best Mario Kart? It might be. Everybody has their own personal favorite Mario Kart. I've heard countless people go on and on about how Super Mario Kart is the best. And I mean, I listen to them. Super Mario Kart is the best one because uh -huh, of how simple uh -huh, and intuitive yeah, it is. Mm -hmm, the track design yeah, is great uh -huh, and the items uh -huh, are balanced. Yeah, it's challenging mm -hmm, and the mm -hmm, battle mode mm -hmm, is phenomenal. Yeah, uh -huh. I find that each of the Mario Karts before Double Dash, while good in their own respects, have aged poorly in many ways. Double Dash was the first one that didn't feel dated to me. And while that means all games after Double Dash also don't feel dated, stuff like Mario Kart DS, Wii, and 7, there's not much reason to play those games compared to the latest one. I'm sure there are a few, but overall, I'm more likely to play something like Mario Kart Wii as a novelty to look back at how Mario Kart was back in 2008, but then I'd just go to play the most recent Mario Kart with friends. Double Dash isn't like that. It's the most unique entry of them all and is still worth playing now even considering any new Mario Kart that's out. It's a special game. It's not perfect. It's not the definitive Mario Kart experience but it's the most unique and one of the most enjoyable. I can sort of see why some reviewers at the time, or even people today, weren't too thrilled with it. It's very lacking in substantial single-player content, and also didn't really go above and beyond with providing loads more content than 64. Plus, the quality of the tracks as a whole isn't the best Mario Kart's ever been. There's a good few that I adore and love to this day, but to be honest, the majority of them are just kinda okay. But I think it makes up for it with its gameplay, its uniqueness, and it's polished, the animations, just seeing characters lose their balance on edges, play around with the items. This feels like modern Mario stuff, it's not dated in the slightest. And that's just one of the reasons why I think Double Dash is still so great all these years later. Double Dash has barely aged a bit, it's still a blast to play, and it offers so much that no other Mario Kart has. Now that still makes it fun to play today, but what makes it truly one of the best Mario Karts? Honestly, it was the bonus disc. Hey all, Scott here, and I'm on a quest. A quest to find a Mario Kart I grew up playing. This is gonna be harder than I thought. Oh f**k, what system is this for? Mario Kart DS to many, 
was the definitive Mario Kart experience. Not me though. I've mentioned this before, but I was born into a Super Circuit family. I owned Mario Kart Super Circuit, played Double Dash at a friend's house, skipped down on DS, and went knee first into Wii. This was one of the only Mario Karts for a while there that eluded me. Don't get me wrong, I wanted all of this, but it just didn't happen. Years later, I've definitely played this one a bit here and there to get a feel on what exactly I missed out on, but I never dived too deep into it all. I mean, yeah, I played a couple of races, but Mario Kart 7 and 8 were giving me the stink eye when I was doing it, so I just went back to playing those. Well, that's about to change. See, even after its successors came out, you always see people considering DS to be the best Mario Kart. And it didn't even have its own unique gameplay gimmick like Double Dash, it didn't have the split screen of 64, it didn't have gingivitis like Super Circuit, it was pretty much a very traditional Mario Kart experience. Well, let's see what exactly is so special about this one. The Nintendo DS was formally unveiled at E3 2004, sporting a fun shitty design. Tons of games early in development were shown, with one of them being a Mario Kart for the system. Now, if Mario Kart Super Circuit was impressive for cramming a real-life Mario Kart onto a handheld, Mario Kart DS was impressive for cramming a real-life 3D Mario Kart onto a handheld. Like, if you held the footage back and squinted a bit, it looked almost as good as Mario Kart 64. I mean, for a portable system at the time, this looked insane. Super Circuit was fine for the time, but to have a true 3D Mario Kart on the go, that was really cool. Being in 3D was just straight up better for the series. While 2D worked, 3D was obviously superior, and we were still in that era where a 3D game on the go was pretty mind-blowing. Now, originally, Mario Kart DS sported a very traditional logo for the series. They decided to tilt it and spank a DS logo in the corner, and look, it even has racing stripes. Now, this is a fun logo for what obviously is going to be a temporary title. There is a lot to unpack here. So the finalized Mario Kart DS logo. This was where the modern logo for the series started. I feel like I've been stuck in an auto zone the past 14 years. So yeah, I think this is a much better logo in terms of brand recognition. It gave the Mario Kart series its own look. Like if I show you the M from the old Mario Kart logo up close, this could be really any Mario game. And that's right, it was Mario Party 4 this whole time. However, this logo feels more Gran Turismo than Mario Kart to me. But I mean, I can live with it as long as they update this temp title and come up with a fun subtitle for this game. If there's better evidence on why not to try in this world, I haven't seen it. The Mario Kart naming schemes have never been good, but we are actually on a pretty good streak with the last two titles. These are actual subtitles that actually identify what the game was all about. But then Nintendo said, that's great, but let's make the entire identity of our games rely on the system's name. It didn't really matter though, because Mario Kart DS became one of the best-selling entries in the series. After being released in November of 2005, over 23 million copies were sold. There was a special DS bundle, a special DS bundle, and cover art that supported an unhealthy amount of flexibility. I think it's about time to clear my schedule for the day and finally give this game my undivided attention. This is Mario Kart DS. Here we go! Alright, so Super Circuit has the better opening. We'll put this near here just in case things go more downhill. So starting things off, we can actually draw an emblem for our cart. Uh, now, a lot of people took this as an opportunity to draw something crotchy, but I wrote my social security number. Either way, I gotta censor it. I love stuff like this. It is completely unnecessary, and during gameplay, you're not really gonna see the front of your car that much, but it's the thought that counts. I love the fact they give you the option to do this. Selecting our character, we have the mainstay group that's been here since Mario Kart 64, nothing special. However, we get to see them all in glorious Nintendo DS 3D. Donkey Kong, imagine stepping on this model with bare feet, that would sting like a bitch. There's a certain charm to the low polygonal models they used here. It's not like back on the N64 where the models were low poly and were earlier designs of the characters. By 2005, they kind of perfected the Mario cast design, I mean, they haven't changed much since then. Peach got thicker lips, lottie f***ing da. So taking these designs and squishing them down into shapes with like 12 sides, that's definitely commendable and interesting. They still look very much like the characters, just with as many corners cut as they could without sacrificing the designs too much. 
However, these eight aren't the only characters in Mario Kart DS. We were graced with four unlockable ones obtained after completing certain Grand Prix. Daisy and Waluigi are back. Give a sh But we have two characters who have never been in Mario Kart before. Dry Bones. How do you think it would feel if they didn't pick you, they picked a dead you? But we saved the best for last, the final unlikable character in Mario Kart DS, Rob. It's about f***ing time. Now before you ask, I don't know why. This is the first time we've had a character playable in Mario Kart that has nothing to really do with Mario. Don't get me wrong, I love that he's here. It's so weird and different and wacky, but why? Well, let's hop into a race, and I finally figured it out. Why everybody loved Mario Kart DS. It's Mario Kart again, I'm seeing a pattern with these games. Not only is it Mario Kart again, but in 2005, this was definitely the definitive Mario Kart experience, and to this day, I'd argue it's the most well-rounded game in the series. It doesn't really skimp out on much, it offers so much of what people loved about the series to begin with, while also introducing tons to the series, like Rob. Gameplay is much more traditional in comparison to the last game, Double Dash. Uh, no two characters per cart, no character-specific items. In fact, the Ba-Bomb, which was a character-specific item in Double Dash, graduated and became a real-life item. Only two brand new items this time around, though. The Bullet Bill, which is a much simpler version of the Chain Chomp from Double Dash. When you're in the nosebleeds in 8th place, you might get a Bullet Bill. Activate it and sit back for a few seconds, the game does all the work, you deserve a break. And the bloopers here as well, it sprays ink on your opponent's screen to make it harder to see. Now, this is somewhat effective in multiplayer, but when I'm playing single player and I get the blooper, this does nothing for me. What, I obscure the computer's view? They're computers, they don't have a view! You know what's nice though? We get a map of the bottom screen on the DS. I'm gonna throw it out there that Mario Kart DS had one of the most boring yet greatest uses of the bottom screen on the handheld. Like yeah, this ain't crazy, but it's super convenient. It doesn't obscure the action on the top screen. It's easy to glance down there, you can see what items everybody has, you can probably play the entire game on the bottom screen if you're a complete f***ing maniac, and swap between up close and personal or bird's eye views. So overall, this is a pretty standard Mario Kart, nothing that crazy in terms of gameplay changes, but solid as can be. However, there is one thing that makes this game the greatest game to feel like a f***ing abomination when you're playing against people who actually know what they're doing. Drifting in Mario Kart DS. It feels good. You get a little boost after pulling it off correctly, hopping with the shoulder button, rocking on the d-pad a bit until you see sparks, that ain't nothing new. But I watched this guy's video from 2010, and I'm shocked. Legend has it, if you pull off drifts constantly, you get the upper hand. You just go way faster than anybody totally not cheating. This is called snaking, and it's bullshit. I refuse. You could technically snake in previous games, but it's most prevalent in DS, and I will not become one of them. I'll play how Nintendo wanted me to play, damn it! I will beat the Wario CPU with dignity. Let's move on to the tracks available, and Mario Kart DS has the notable distinction of having some of the most unbelievably memorable and creative courses in the entire series, as well as some of the most forgettable. Shroom Ridge. Sure. The Mushroom Cup starts things off with Figure 8 Circuit, and by god, they didn't lie. This is as basic Mario Kart track as basic Mario Kart tracks get. I have a weird fondness for that basic Mario Kart aesthetic, but nobody played this track and said, What the f***? Yoshi Falls, it's pretty good, it's inoffensive, it's like a cough drop, like, I'm glad it exists, but it's nothing I need all the time. Cheap Cheap Beach, nothing sticks out like crazy with this one, I gotta be honest, the only reason I remember it is because they brought it back in Mario Kart 8, but let's take a moment to appreciate they didn't update the Mario Kart logo on the banner to the new one. Luigi's Mansion, oh hell yes! Based on the GameCube game, it's such a cool idea for a track, but they had to barf all this mud in this one section, you wake up some days really happy and then you realize there's a bunch of mud in Luigi's Mansion. Desert Hills, not a fan of this one. I don't know why, I've always had a thing for disliking desert courses. However, Delfino Square more than makes up for it. The bridge goes up and you get some fun little shortcuts. I love when these tracks actually feel like what they're trying to represent, which in this case, it's a town. Just the layout feels so real and fun and interesting. It's just great all around. Waluigi Pinball. There it is. 
The definition's been blank all these years! This is an absolutely amazing idea for a racetrack. Being on a giant pinball table with all types of electronic neon imagery and sound effects going on, it's beautiful. Shroom Ridge. Sure, DK Pass is a solid enough track, but then we move on to TikTok Clock. Oh my god, for Mario 64, that's amazing! Mario Circus just a feel-good track. Nothing crazy, but just enjoyable to go through. Airship Fortress, like from Mario Brothers 3, that's so cool! I gotta hand it to Mario Kart DS, it really nails the fan service. A ton of tracks are actually based on previous Mario games, but the themes alone make for some incredibly fun courses in their own right. Wario Stadium is a much more colorful and enjoyable track compared to N64 Wario Stadium. Peach Gardens, I like the concept of, I absolutely hate playing through. A Bowser Castle. Uh, honestly, I only really remember this section where you're on the rotating rod and the shortcut, and that's about it. And finally, Mario Kart DS's Rainbow Road. You have a loop-to-loop -loop that's pretty fun. Other than that, Eh. Overall, I quite like the track selection here. While there are a handful of forgettable tracks, DS has some of the coolest ideas for courses out there. And then they added 16 more tracks on top of that. Sure, Super Circuit had 40 tracks, but 20 of them were from Super Mario Kart. And there's not a ton of variety in Super Mario Kart's track selection. 16 more tracks, four from each of the previous Mario Kart games. This added so much value to the game. It was awesome to finally have 3D versions of Super Mario Kart and Super Circuit tracks, and to also play Mario Kart 64 and Double Dash tracks on the go. Now they did Neuter Baby Park that originally consisted of seven laps, and now in DS it's five. Oh man, it's inching closer. And while a lot of these tracks are great to see back, there are some odd inclusions. Luigi's Circuit from Double Dash was already kind of a figure eight and they made a track called Figure 8 Circuit in the game. And having eight of the 16 tracks come from Super Mario Kart and Super Circuit, while it's cool they're in 3D now, they aren't nearly as interesting or fun to play on as the new or N64 and GameCube tracks. The addition of retro tracks kind of shows off one of the problems people had with Double Dash at the time of its release. Uh, people looked at the track list and kind of said, that's it. Now Mario Kart has twice as many tracks as usual, with half of them being remade from previous entries. It made it so not only are you looking forward to the new tracks of a new Mario Kart, but what tracks they're gonna bring back. But that's not the only thing Mario Kart DS added, let's talk about online! Can't say I didn't try. Only specific courses were available to play online, which I find interesting, and it was far from in-depth, but just having the ability to play online multiplayer. The ability to play with friends across the world, the fact that DS introduced this feature to the series. That cannot be understated. This was one of the biggest introductions to Mario Kart. It's a shame it's not functional anymore, but hey, we can still play local multiplayer. You can link up to other DS's without any wires, hell yeah! And you can just use one copy of the game as long as your other friends have DS's, they're good to go. They're required to play a shy guy, which is the perfect way to shame somebody for not buying the game. Battle mode is back and it comes standard with a stage taking place on top of a Nintendo DS. All oh, right, okay, why did they stop doing this? I love this. Balloon battle is similar to what we've had before, but this time you can gain balloons by blowing into the microphone. Yeah, they found a use for that thing and it makes each and every battle feel that much more intense since you're constantly running out of breath. Shine Runners is here, which isn't necessarily the same as Shine Thief. Uh, you have to run around and collect more Shine Sprites than anybody else, and no, you cannot run out of breath in this mode, it's prohibited. Now, what if you're all by yourself? The Mario Kart series has never been the greatest when it comes to serving its lonely customers. Well, welcome to Mission Mode. In my opinion, one of the greatest ideas the Mario Kart series had that they just refused to do again. You get these little pre-made challenges and boss fights, it's nothing amazing or something that'll make anybody go, what the f***? but it gives you something to do single player wise. And it's fun. It's fun to try and get the best time completing these missions. It's fun to just beat them in general. It's just such a great mode to have. And I just don't get why they never brought it back to this day. Mission mode might not have been anything mind blowing, but just the fact that it gave you this fun checklist of things to do by yourself made it so then Mario Kart DS was almost as fun in single player as it was in multiplayer. 
multiplayer was always gonna be more fun because hey, what else were you gonna do with your friends on the school bus? Even though I didn't have this game for the longest time, I think this is one of the most well-rounded games in the series. It has great single-player content, great multiplayer, the tracks are good, battle mode is here, it introduced online, there really wasn't any part of Mario Kart DS they slacked on, which you can't really say about a lot of the other entries. Actually, the intro really, really wasn't as good as Super Circuits. Hey all, Scott here. There I was, about to get out of bed and face the challenges life had for me that day. But then the trauma came back and... And I just couldn't do it with this in the room. Mario Kart Wii is the best Mario Kart for the Wii, but at that point, it's also the worst. This is one divisive game. People either consider this to be one of the worst Mario Karts or one of the best, and I am guilty of committing the former. This was the first Mario Kart for a home console I owned myself. That I mean, I played 64 and Double Dash at friends' houses, and I contracted Super Circuit, so this wasn't my first rodeo. Rather, my first one under my own roof with my own TV. And I feel like that was the case for lots of people, as Mario Kart Wii sold over 37 million copies. More people have Mario Kart Wii than scurvy. Why was this the Mario Kart to really break the ice with humanity? Well, I'm glad I asked. Allow me to introduce my three-step program to be just like Mario Kart Wii. Step one, release on the Wii. You guys know the Wii, right? Everybody has one, and if you don't think you do, check your couch cushions. One probably slipped in there. The Nintendo Wii sold over 100 million consoles. Everybody was going crazy for it, so releasing a Mario Kart title on it, yeah, it was gonna bleed cash. Step two, have five Mario Kart games on five prior systems. The series was already wildly successful at this point, and the fact that pretty much everybody bought a Wii meant that people who might have only played one Mario Kart in the past, well, they have a new Mario Kart to play on this new platform they bought. And for the people who never played a Mario Kart prior to the Wii, step three, Wheel. Mario Kart Wii came bundled with the Wii Wheel, an accessory that really put you in the driver's seat. This is plastic. This was the big reason why Mario Kart Wii was so popular. The Wii was already doing really well because you could swing the remote to play golf. It felt so natural. Well, what if you could do the same for traffic violations? Yes, Mario Kart Wii came in a chubby little container filled with Mario Kart Wii and Wii Wheel. I remember really wanting this game because of the Wii Wheel. The idea of driving in a video game with an actual wheel? Like what? The game was announced at E3 2007 alongside the Wii Wheel, and this is how the audience reacted to the Wii Wheel? A custom Wii Wheel that makes its debut with Mario Kart for Wii. And this is how any sane being reacted? Did you see the wheel? Mario Kart Wii released in April 2008 worldwide, and the world took notice. The Wii itself, for the first couple years of its life, was notoriously hard to find in stock at stores. And Mario Kart Wii was the same for a bit. That game was tough to get your hands on. Right when stores got copies in, they sold out. Everybody wanted this game. In the summer of 2008, an 11-year-old Scott went to Target to buy Super Smash Bros. Brawl, but he saw they had one copy left of Mario Kart Wii. I am still shocked about that. I only had enough of my own money for Smash, Brothers, so I made a deal with my mom where she would buy Mario Kart Wii, but I'd have to wait until Christmas to play it. The next couple months were torturous knowing that this game that nobody could get their hands on was somewhere hidden in my house. I just didn't know where. That's why I chip my games now. Mario Kart Wii was a game I really did want, but I think what put it over the edge for me was just how hard it was to get a hold of. Like, I didn't want leprosy until I realized how few people got it. But a few days before Christmas 2008, I had a friend over and my mom decided to be civil and let me have the game early. I was so happy and pissed. This game takes no I had my fun with this game, but I hated it too. It's Mario Kart at its absolute best, and also its absolute worst. So I think it's about time I battle my inner demons and step into the Mario Kart Wii Arena once again to see if this game is actually good or not. Let's do it. He 
yep, this was my hell. I don't like how the title screen is the same as the box, which is the same as the box, and I don't like how zoomed in the standard case is compared to the full art. It feels cropped and weird. Mario Kart Wii. Like, you could come up with a better name. Actually, early in development, they considered the title Mario Kart X, but then settled on Mario Kart Wii because it just fit the vibe of the game. Here we have the original logo. It is just a copy of Mario Kart DS's logo, and we ended up with this blue circle thing, which is on the back of the Wii wheel. Might as well talk about this thing now. Yes, this is the Wii wheel. We insert the Wii remote in it, and bam, we have a steering wheel to control the game with. It was an extremely novel concept, and the wheel itself is crazy well designed. I mean, it should be. Nintendo went through way too many prototypes for a wheel. A wheel. There's a hole for the Wii's wrist strap to go through, the wheel itself has an enlarged B button that's just begging to be pressed, and on the side we have a little see-through section for the IR sensor, which means you can still select stuff with the remote while it's inserted. The Wii wheel is a testament to just how versatile the Wii remote could be. You can just smack it into any plastic you throw at it. Here, bam, it's a wheel. Now if you wanted to use the Wii wheel with other games, I mean sure, go ahead, but always look for the compatible with Wii wheel logo on the box to make sure you can. It's plastic. We have multiple save files we can select, which is actually really nice. You don't have to start over from scratch if you're just dying to unlock baby Luigi again. Here we have 11-year-old Scott. He was pissed off for some reason and didn't complete as much of the game as he wanted to. We have the standard Grand Prix, Time Trials, Battle Mode, the usual suspects. 16 brand new tracks, and just like with Mario Kart DS, we brought back 16 retro tracks from the past five games. No repeats for Mario Kart DS either. Completely new retro tracks. Well, let's start fresh and hop into a race. Alright, why Scott didn't like Mario Kart Wii that much? Number one, it doesn't look great. Don't get me wrong, this game looks fine overall, and it runs flawlessly at a rock-solid frame rate. That's all that really matters. But my god, this game, I never liked how it looked. The graphics have this weird, hazy, glow, slate desaturation to it all, which just looks odd. Character models, in my opinion, look worse than how they did in Double Dash. Look at Bowser, look how jaggy his model is, look at Donkey Kong, look at Funky Kong, his elbows could open cans. The characters have this shiny plastic look to them, and just the overall aesthetic of Mario Kart Wii just isn't that appealing to me. It's so bland, it has no character. Like, look at this font compared to Double Dash. What? This is the font you use at gunpoint. Now listen, I wasn't expecting the world from this game visually. It is on the Wii after all. I cracked one open and Nintendo just left an IOU. This console isn't powerful, but it's more powerful than the GameCube and it's capable of pumping out incredible looking games. My main issue with Mario Kart Wii is that it just doesn't look better than Double Dash. In fact, I'd say Double Dash is the better looking game. It's more colorful, the character models look better, and it's just cleaner looking. I think the best way to describe Mario Kart Wii's visuals is just painfully underwhelming. At least you can use all kinds of different controllers. Now, the one Nintendo's screaming at us to use the most is the Wii Remote in the Wii Wheel. To accelerate, hold 2. Use an item, hit the D-pad. If you want to throw it behind or ahead of you, if possible, you can hit up or down. Perform drifts, hit the B. And finally, to steer your cart, you have to turn the wheel. Motion controls are bullshit, right? Yes, motion-controlled Mario Kart. I have to hand it to Nintendo. The wheel setup works surprisingly well. All the buttons are laid out perfectly for Mario Kart this way, and there's not really any compromises you have to make by controlling it this way. It's not like with Smash Brothers where you hold the Wii Remote on its side to play and just end up thinking, if only. There are plenty of people who actually prefer using the wheel and motion controls in general to play Mario Kart. I'm not one of those people. 
I don't actively hate it, but I never took the time to get fully used to it. I just feel like every time I turn, I turn way harder than I ever wanted to. And here we have why Scott didn't like Mario Kart Wii that much number two. He only played with the Wii wheel and was just not good at the game in general. These two things do not go well together at all. I mean, I was young and I was stupid. Mario Kart Wii offers an automatic drift function where you don't have to worry about doing it yourself, the game does it for you. This was definitely to make the game more friendly for casual players since the Wii's audience was filled with them. I totally kept selecting automatic drifting as a kid because what, I'll let the game do it for me. What's the point of doing it myself when the game will do it for me? That's probably why I didn't do well with this game. If you can, drift manually. Well, you don't have to play with the Wii wheel. You can just play with the Wii remote on its side if you want. I wish I knew that when I was younger. I bought a second Wii wheel for friends. I could have bought food. Now, if the motion controls aren't your thing, you can plug in a nunchuck to control the game with an analog stick. I mean, yeah, this is fine, but I generally go with the classic controller or the GameCube controller. Just much easier to control this way, in my opinion. It's just a much more comfortable and reliable method. But we do have one major issue. See, Mario Kart Wii introduced something big the trick system. Right before your cart goes airborne, if you shake your controller at the last second, you can perform a trick in the air which gives you a boost when you hit the ground. Honestly, a fantastic addition to the gameplay. It adds so much interactivity and purpose to the track layouts. It makes ramps in the older Mario Karts feel pointless. Like if I can't trick off of them, what's the point? Just a little hint of strategy is added this way, and it's so good. Problem though, if you use the classic or GameCube controller to perform tricks, you must hit the D-pad. This is like trying to tie your shoes while driving. I mean, it works, but there are so many great buttons on these controllers. Why not use them? Another new element of gameplay introduced with Mario Kart Wii was bikes. This title is a f***ing lie. Carts aren't your only option. You can select a variety of two-wheeled vehicles and and they are infinitely better than carts. While driving on straightaways with your bike, you can shake the controller up or hit up on the D-pad on the everyday man's controller to do a wheelie. You go a bit faster by doing this, so it's a good idea to do it when you can. Now, what do carts have to make up for the lack of wheelies? You can boost a bit more on drifts, but it's not that big of a deal. Bikes are easily the go-to vehicle of choice in this game. Well, might as well move on to why Scott didn't like Mario Kart Wii that much, number three. I have had races with like four blue shells being thrown out sometimes. Why do players get the bullet bill like 10 seconds into a race? Like, do they really need that? Do they need to catch up this early on when everybody is this close to each other? Oh wow, a blooper, that didn't do anything. Mario Kart Wii's items are out of control. Primarily, the blue shell appears far too frequently. And the new items introduced don't add all too much to the game. The Mega Mushroom, it was introduced in New Super Mario Bros. It was a complete gimmick there and is a complete gimmick here. I would always get crazy excited when I got this and after activating it, I'd grow big for like five seconds and then we're all back to reality. The Mega Mushroom is pretty much a less effective star, like it makes you invincible to a few things, but when other people get a star or a bullet bill or lightning, yeah, it goes away. But it's so short-lived and just makes you grow big. There's not much to this one. The POW block, so this is from the original Mario Brothers arcade game where you could hit this three times to hit all enemies on screen. In Mario Kart Wii, if one player gets a POW block and activates it, everybody in front of them gets a POW block on their screen, and three, two, one, it's annoying. Just like the Mega Mushroom, the POW block is pretty much a less effective version of another item, in this case, lightning. The lightning affects all players, while the POW block only affects all the players in front of you and causes everybody to spin out and lose their items. But the main difference is you can avoid the POW block's effect if you're in the air while it goes off. Off, which that only depends on what part of the track you're at. If you're about to swap spit with a ramp, well, you're in luck if the POW is coming. And the final new item is the Thundercloud. God bless the Thundercloud, an item that breaks the conventions of Mario Kart, an item 
that hurts me. This was a big pill to swallow. I had to think about this one a lot. When you get the thundercloud, your speed increases slightly, but you have to bump into another racer to pass it on pronto, because if you don't, you will eventually get spanked with lightning. Like, it's a cool idea. I like the fact that it does bring a different type of tension and strategy to the items. It actually brings a lot of strategy and quick thinking. It's just, I don't want it. So yeah, the item balance is off the charts. Too many blue shells, bloopers, you get at least one pal block appearing per race, which is just annoying. It brings everything to a halt and you lose all your items. The new items aren't that great, but the item balance made me feel alive. Don't get me wrong, it is beyond frustrating, but there's a certain charm to that. It's like playing Mario Party. Like, yeah, it's bullshit, but the fun kind of bullshit. You can be the best player in the world and then get hit by an item, and then another item, and then another. There's nothing you can do about that. Sure, that happens in other Mario Karts, but Mario Kart Wii is so ridiculous with its items. It's cranked up to the max. It's so chaotic and unbalanced, but that's what makes it fun in its own way. It gives the game its own feel. But it's still number three on why Scott didn't like Mario Kart Wii that much. God, this game pissed me off. Now, Mario Kart Wii features the most playable characters in the series so far. 26 total, and it's a pretty decent roster. Baby Peach and Baby Daisy are here. Say it with me. Thank f***ing God. Rosalina from Super Mario Galaxy. That's a great new character. She is unlockable. You have to rank highly on all the Mirror Mode Grand Prix Cups. But if you finish 50 races and have a Mario Galaxy save file on your Wii, she can be unlocked that way. I thought I was the smartest f***ing kid ever by saying, Rosalina is a $50 character. You need to buy Mario Galaxy to play as her. Which, I mean, I wasn't wrong. Funky Kong's here, which is everybody's favorite character in this game. There's no debating that. He was always that bachelor uncle everybody wished they were and is apparently the best character in this game in terms of stats. Is anybody really surprised? And then Dry Bowser. Yeah, out of all the other characters they could have chosen or brought back from older games, no, Bone Bowser. But I saved the best for last. We have the greatest addition to the roster. Me. See, you get this picture for getting to the end credits. If you took a picture off screen and sent this to me in 2008, I would have shit myself. They put me in Mario Kart. I loved when Nintendo let me use my me in these games. I honestly would choose my me just so I could gawk at myself on Luigi Circuit. Speaking of which, 32 tracks are once again present, just like with Mario Kart DS. 16 new, 16 retro. There are quite a bit of highlights here, and starting with the Mushroom Cup, we have the definition of not a highlight, Luigi Circuit. I want a list of people who answer to the question, what do you like about Mario Kart Wii? The Luigi Circuit! Double Dash also started out with a track named Luigi Circuit, but at least that one had the interesting gimmick of having a map you can't show on TV. There were moments where you could go face to face with oncoming traffic, players going in the opposite direction. That was pretty cool. Luigi Circuit and Mario Kart Wii, yeah, there's this one section with a ton of dash panels. I had to research the name, and that's it. Moo Moo Meadows, now this is a cozy track. It's a sequel to Moo Moo Farm from Mario Kart 64. I really do enjoy this course, just like how I enjoy Mushroom Gorge, the title of my bedroom. This one has some big, giant, huge mushrooms to bounce off of. You have to make sure you jump off of them at a good angle, because if not, yeah. Toad's Factory, a behind the scenes look at what hell they have to go through to make those item boxes. I really love the theme of this track. Actually playing it, it's all right. Nothing I'm absolutely demanding to play when popping this game in, to be honest. Moving on to the Flower Cup, Mario Circuit. They finally did it. They took Mario Circuit from Double Dash and did it again. Coconut Mall, now this is one of my go-to tracks. It's so cool, we're traveling through a mall and each and every section has something neat going on. Some escalators, a parking lot, I'm easy to please. DK Summit, because nothing screams DK Summit like a giant statue of Mario. Also, I'm sorry, in the rest of the world, it was called DK Snowboard Cross. That name change is the only reason I'm staying in America. I'm more of a Summit guy. This is one of the main tracks I think about when Mario Kart Wii is brought up, mainly due to these little areas. Since they added bikes into the game, the developers were thinking about going for a more extreme sports angle, and we can see that here with 
with these half pipes. It's a decent course, but Wario's Gold Mine is like a theme park attraction. This is such an awesome idea for a track, and it's ridiculously fun as well. And then we move on to the Star Cup with Daisy Circuit. The main takeaway from this track is the implication that Daisy and Luigi are a thing. I never liked the idea of them as a couple because honestly, if they ever live together, I just feel like their tap water is gonna smell terrible. They seem like that kind of couple. It's a basic track during a sunset in the middle of its sound. Not bad, Koopa Cape. Look at this, okay? We're going down these rapids, going in this tunnel where it can drive on the walls. Like, come on, this is the life! Maple Treeway may just be my favorite track in the game, just due to how great the design of this course is. It's just so pleasant, I love it. Now, Grumble Volcano. It's okay, just nothing that special to me. The fact that it returned in Mario Kart 8 made me really think for a few hours there. The special cup houses dry, dry ruins. I am very picky about my desert stages. I don't like standard desert areas, but when we go inside a temple sort of thing, then I'm all for it. Dry, dry ruins, you get a pass. Moonview Highway is a bit of a sequel to Toad's Turnbike and Mushroom City, and it is way more fun and fast paced than those two. Bowser's Castle and Rainbow Road finish things off as usual. Bowser's Castle is great, Rainbow Road gives me an aneurysm. Now, we also have 16 retro tracks as well. The selection isn't half bad. We get some great ones and a good ratio overall. We get four from each entry, except Super Mario Kart and Super Circuit, which get two each. But of course, we do have such classics as Mario Circuit from Double Dash when we have a new Mario Circuit, which is so similar. But here's my main issue with the retro tracks. They don't look great. Like, they updated them all a bit graphically, but they didn't go all the way. They still very much feel like old-ass tracks. The SNES and GBA ones just look bad. Like, look at the water animation on Shy Guy Beach. Look at the background of Mario Circuit 3. I would have preferred if they kept the pixel art and had the 3D models driving on top of them. Here, it just looks painfully simple and lame. The N64 tracks just look very bland. I wish the retro tracks didn't feel like retro tracks. I wish if you just showed me them without telling me what they were, I wouldn't think, oh yeah, these are old courses. I wish they blended in with the new ones a bit more. Well, there's always battle mode to check out, one of my favorite ways to discern a Mario Kart's worth. Why Scott didn't like Mario Kart Wii that much number four? The battle mode. You are forced to be on two teams of six and computers flood the match. This, this isn't bad, but this isn't the battle mode I want. I at least wanted the option to play with just two to four human players. No teams, no computers but it's not there. We have a time limit and it's just not nearly as intense this way. The way battle mode worked in the past made it so you were always on edge. Here, it's just three minutes go by and then it's over. It doesn't matter if you're putrid at the game because as long as your team does okay, then it's fine. We have 10 stages to play on, which is great, uh, five new and five old, and Balloon Battle returns alongside the introduction of Coin Runners. Just collect as many coins as you can. I'm not gonna say this battle mode is bad or not fun, but it's not the same as how it was in Double Dasher 64, and I preferred that style, and I wish they gave me the option to have it. Now, I feel like a big reason battle mode is the way it is is due to online play. Mario Kart Wii offered battle mode online, and it makes much more sense to have it under a time limit and in team so you can get more people in a game and it doesn't last forever. Online multiplayer on the Wii, the Nintendo Wi-Fi connection if you will. This little symbol means a lot to me and I wish more tattoos of it existed. The Wii was not great at online gaming, but one game did it competently, and that happened to be GoldenEye 007 with Mario Kart Wii in a close second. It actually was really good online, and even though the online was shut down in 2014, people have set up their own servers and are still playing it. It was one of the biggest selling points of Mario Kart Wii for a lot of people, and you could download the Mario Kart channel to your Wii home screen to get up to date with Mario Kart Wii info without needing to put in the disc. I'm free. I'm free! Mario Kart Wii is one of the most unbalanced, unfair games in the series with not a lot of its own style. The graphics were subpar even for its time, and overall it's just incredibly underwhelming. But 
The new tracks are honestly some of the best in the entire series. The item balance, while absolutely crazy, keeps things really interesting. As an 11 year old, it was absolutely irritating beyond belief, but when I'm just playing with friends now, I can laugh at myself a whole lot more, so like five blue shells happening in one race isn't crazy irritating. It's kinda hilarious. It's not perfect by a long shot, and I didn't like this game for the longest time, but now I appreciate this game a whole lot more. Mario Kart Wii has a lot more to it than I originally remembered. There are so many characters and carts and options. The mission mode from DS came back, but only as an online exclusive mode, which it's no use right now, but it was kinda there. And now the Mario Kart Wii community is huge. Like, have you seen the custom tracks fans put together? These things are crazy. So while it's not my favorite, Mario Kart Wii has a lot more worth than I ever gave it credit for. It still holds up as a really fun game. And in a few areas, it's actually a little better than the games that succeeded it. So I don't think this is gonna be the last time I'm going to play it. But the Mario Kart Wii channel actually still needs the game to play races and I acted a little prematurely. Hey all Scott here. I have hobbies. I'm only human. I like talking harshly about Mario Kart 7, being somewhat critical of Mario Kart 7, negatively speaking about Mario Kart 7, hiking, f***ing despising Mario Kart 7. So Mario Kart and the number 7 walk into a bar. What did you think would happen? The Mario Kart series was always a massive success, but it wasn't until the DS and Wii incarnations that it truly reached worldwide phenomenon status. It seems like nearly everybody played one or the other or both, and with sales numbers like these, you could walk up to anybody on the street and ask why the f*** was Rob in Mario Kart DS? That's not to downplay the success of previous titles, but these hit the big time, and after the release of Mario Kart Wii, it was inevitable that whatever Mario Kart would follow, would also do phenomenally well. This was no longer a series that Nintendo wanted to put out on each of their platforms, this was one they had to. But that's just the thing, we were six mainline Mario Karts in, but really, who was counting? This title's making a lot more sense now. What could Nintendo do for the seventh mainline Mario Kart game to not only get people excited, but also sell them on their shiny new handheld, the Nintendo 3DS? Well, Nintendo did the unthinkable. They made a new Mario Kart game. This is Mario Kart 7, a great title, no doubt, but one I have felt so little desire to go back to throughout the years. It's in this weird space where it's functionally sound, it controls well, it's still incredibly enjoyable but everything it added to the series that were once unique to it either were so whatever or they actually became mainstay elements from there on out, and because of that, I would consistently ask myself, why would I ever play this game again? Well, that's a testament to how good this game truly was at the time. It introduced so many new features that became mainstay elements of the series from that point forward. But outside of those few new features, this game just doesn't really have a core identity of its own in terms of how it feels, how it sounds, how it looks. This is a game that, in my opinion, felt like just another Mario Kart more so than any other entry in the series. I'm sorry I had to say that. I really hope any future employer doesn't look that quote up. I mean, just look at the cover art. It just feels like more of the same from DS and Wii. They just looked at these games, said, all right, this works, third time's the charm. That's sort of indicative of my problem with Mario Kart 7, but we'll get to that when we get to that. First off, we must visit the year 2010. Such a fun year, so much happened. Mario Kart 7 got announced. The Nintendo 3DS was fully unveiled at E3 alongside some early peeks at games in development. Basically just quick glimpses of titles to come. Most didn't have a final name yet, it was mainly stuff like Paper Mario 3DS and Animal Crossing 3DS. But right alongside those titles was Mario Kart 3DS, Mario Kart 7's maiden name. 
The game was only a few months into development at this point, but a core feature some journalists noted at the event was that the game featured glaring. Remember when I said 7 introduced features that I couldn't imagine the franchise without? Not much else was really there, it was just a smooth Mario Kart demo in glasses-free 3D thanks to the 3DS screen, but other than that, it wasn't much to write home about. In the background, development was going a bit slower than many would have expected. Only a handful of people were actively working on the game, while others who would have if they had time were busy going to town on Nintendogs plus Cats, also known as Priorities. So around December of 2010, Nintendo enlisted the help of Retro Studios to assist in the game. They just finished up Donkey Kong Country Returns, they were obviously the most qualified for Mario Kart, so they had to help out Nintendo with developing a Donkey Kong themed track for the game. Because God forbid Nintendo does it themselves. And they were to develop the Retro tracks in the game. I feel like they were only picked because of their name. Now, Retro is one of Nintendo's best subsidiaries, responsible for Metroid Prime and the modern Donkey Kong Country titles. I was surprised when it was revealed they helped out with this game because I don't automatically equate the creators of this to this, hey, it's whatever, I ate it up. E3 2011 came around, and so did a new trailer for Mario Kart 3DS confirming a holiday release and the three major gimmicks of the game gliding, underwater tracks, and cart customization. Cart customization in this trailer boiled down to, you can get big wheels now. Gliding and underwater sections seem to be interesting ways to spice up the track design, and the game itself looked pretty alright, kind of a mix between Mario Kart DS and Wii in terms of graphical quality. But we still didn't have an official name for it yet, Nintendo kept referring to it as just Mario Kart or Mario Kart 3DS. Oh, just you wait, because a quick two months after E3, the final title was revealed, I think. I was expecting it to just be called Mario Kart 3DS or Mario Kart 3D. Keep in mind, Mario Kart names have never been good. Those actually were just named after the system they were on, so it was a bit of a shocker to see them whip out math on us. So if I had to guess why they did this, I'd say it's because calling it Mario Kart 3DS or Mario Kart 3D may have made it seem like a re-release or remake of Mario Kart DS or any other previous Mario Kart, but in 3D this time. It's strange that this was where they drew the line and started numbering the games, but hey, it's hard to get confused by this title. It's just, I worry that some consumers refused to play this on the basis they never played Mario Kart 2 through 6. There was a temporary logo used for a few months that I kinda like more than the final one, a few more trailers released showcasing new items, courses, and characters until Mario Kart 7 finally released on December 4th, 2011. The Nintendo 3DS had a pretty rough start after it launched earlier that year in March, but thanks to a price cut in Mario Kart 7 and Super Mario 3D Land releasing that holiday, it experienced a little something I like to call success. 3D Land was generally considered the more innovative game, I guess, while Mario Kart was more of a safe bet. You knew exactly what you were getting into with this one. But if it wasn't for these two games, We'd also be alive, they're video games, not shelter. So that's the history of the world from 2010 to 2011, i.e. Mario Kart 7's build-up to release. I wasn't super excited for this, I just had feelings of, oh great, I can play Mario Kart on my 3DS when this comes out, and not much more than that. I may have just had fatigue from the series at the time. It just felt like, this is Mario Kart and it will be good. But keep in mind, Mario Kart Wii was only three years old and we were not on the best of terms, so I sold it to pay for seven, and here we are with me going back to Mario Kart Wii saying, I'm sorry and realizing it was actually Actually pretty good after not playing 7 for over 6 years. I picked this game up fairly quickly after launch. I played it, I enjoyed it, I have nothing else to say. Well, let's see why I have nothing else to say. This is Mario Kart 7. Mario Kart 7! Who would have thought this would be the game's title screen? Moving into single player. This is exactly what I was expecting. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Seven feels so 
been there, done that. Like, look at all the new modes. There are none. On top of that, the presentation is just so sterile. It looks fine, but it has none of its own personality. That may sound like an odd argument to make for a Mario Kart game, but looking back at each game in the series, while many are incredibly similar, each one has at least a few things that give them their own unique flair. And first impressions of Seven, it doesn't really have that. In fact, the menu music here is nearly identical to Mario Kart Wii's. Moving on to characters, now I've already unlocked all of them here, which means, hell yeah, I don't have to waste time unlocking characters in Mario Kart 7. What am I gonna do with all this free time? Not unlock characters in Mario Kart 7. The stuff you had to do to unlock these characters wasn't anything dreadful like it was with Mario Kart Wii, for example. Unlocking all characters in that game is some people's major. Here it's as simple as winning a cup in 150cc. Each one will unlock a specific character, and being all of them in any difficulty nets you a me. Okay, thank you. That's much easier. But it's a little lame. I kind of want there to be a balance between f this fucking and this is a little too easy. Like, have me do a bit more than just beat all the cups. Give me a reason to play through the other modes, beat a few time trials, that sort of thing. Well, onto the roster. We have that lovable cast we've all come to know and love over the past 20 odd years. The characters that make Mario Kart, Mario Kart. There's a lot of fucking bees in this one. All right, we have the mainstays here. Mario, Luigi, Yoshi, Peach, Bowser, Donkey Kong, Toad, Koopa, Troopa, Daisy, Wario, Rosalina, the meat. It's a very cozy police lineup. But then we have the newcomers. Shy Guy makes his debut as just a straight up playable character. You could use him when playing multiplayer in Mario Kart DS with friends who didn't own the game, but here, if you paid for Mario Kart 7, you get the right to Shy Guy. Lakitu, the character who is fundamentally the flag girl of Mario Kart, makes his playable debut, which I like. It's cool to see him actually playable after being a staple in the series for so long. Metal Mario, you know, Metal Mario, Metal Mario. It's Mario made of metal, making his debut in Super Mario 64 as a power-up. Here he's portrayed as some sort of robotic version of Mario, which is strange. This may be a reference to Metal Mario in the Smash Brothers series, where he's an opponent near the end of some single-player modes. Or Mario Golf, I don't fucking know. This is a case of Metal Mario is technically a Mario character and all we have to do is take Mario and make him gray. I'll give them a pass this one time, but they better clean up their act for the next game. I shouldn't have said that. Wiggler, ever wanted to drive as a caterpillar? Don't lie. I'm cool with Wiggler here. This is a dumb addition, I like it. And this one hits home for me. To all the Mario Galaxy fans out there, it finally happened. Giant B. Honey Queen is her final character and my god why? Out of all Mario characters who haven't been in Mario Kart, hell, Mario Galaxy characters. Why this one? That's like if I had to make a racing game based on my life and for the final playable character, I picked this tree that's 20 feet away from me. I mean, sure, this doesn't offend me. I just have more questions than answers at this point. And that goes for the entire roster as a whole. They did the unthinkable. Wario unlockable? Plus, there are a few characters that didn't come back, like Waluigi. Waluigi Pinball from Mario Kart DS Returns, but not him. So I remember hearing this thing where the developers said Waluigi wasn't included because he was too creepy. What are you talking about? But now looking into it, apparently it was simply due to time constraints. I mean, I don't need Waluigi. He's not shelter. But that still doesn't explain the oddball roster we have here. I'll give it some slack. Handheld Mario Karts generally don't have a ginormous list of playable characters, but the playable characters they picked this time around were very questionable. Oh, I have nothing better to do, so might as well hit next. On to the vehicle customization, something I was really interested in. You can change up your cart's body, wheels, and glider, that's it. It's cool we have a lot more options now, but sadly, I don't feel like this is as great as I wanted it to be when it was revealed. Like, yeah, it's kind of fun to mix and match everything up, but overall, when I look back at something like Mario Kart Wii, that was a lot simpler. It was just pick a cart, go. Here, I have to meticulously pick out what kind of wheels I want, when to be honest, it really doesn't matter. The main thing I think most will change up consistently is the cart's body. The wheels and glider, and when you find one you like, you just stick to that forever. 
Customization here doesn't make me feel more connected to the card I create. The only time I can truly feel like, oh yeah, I made this monstrosity, is when I put big wheels on it. This is fundamentally the only time I ever feel like I made this. It's weird they didn't bring back the emblem creator from Mario Kart DS. That would have fit perfectly with being able to put together your own vehicle. Customization's a cool idea, and it's fine, it works. I just don't feel an overwhelming sense of freedom or uniqueness with the card I put together. I end up looking back at the simpler times and realizing this isn't much different or better. Well, let's hop into the first cup. And... It's f***ing Mario Kart again! This is one of the most Mario Kart-feeling Mario Karts I've ever played. There's really no surprises here. It's not like the older ones, where you go back to them and go, Wow, this controls a lot differently compared to the newer ones. Mario Kart 7 feels exactly how you'd expect it to. It runs great, and in my opinion, it looks sharper than we did. Sure, the character models may be kinda blocky, but it's still four score and seven leagues better than DS. Speaking of DS, we have the return of the map on the bottom screen. It really does feel like the best of DS and Wii in terms of looks and features. But with the core racing, Seven introduces gliding and underwater racing, which I think are fine new additions. You don't have to think about them at all. If you drive up to a ramp that you can glide off of, your glider automatically appears, and now you can weasel your way through the air. Underwater isn't all too much different from normal racing, just obviously things are slower and physics are more floaty. However, it's really interesting to me that what used to be considered a no-no throughout the entirety of Mario Kart, that being these giant craters of water, are now considered integral parts of the track. You want to go through these now. Even the returning older tracks that considered water out-of-bounds areas have been updated to make them traversable now. Both of these elements help deliver more uniquely designed tracks and keeps you on your toes to the point where it's sort of hard to imagine Mario Kart without them. But I've been really trying to be more shallow lately, so f*** these things, I'm only here for the 3D effect. Crank that slider up and experience vision impairment you won't regret. The 3D looks great in this game, giving the courses so much more depth and liveliness. However, it in absolutely no way enhances your gameplay. You don't gain anything for turning the 3D on or off. It's just a good effect that has no bearing on gameplay. But what if you wanted it to? You ever look at all the buttons on the 3DS and wonder, what's this one for? Let's hit up and find out, oh my god! So this is what a BC's driving. Mario Kart 7 features a first-person view option alongside motion controls. Hit up and you can twist and turn your system to steer. It's an option. But see, I've used a steering wheel or two in my day and this just doesn't cut it. I'm no idiot, this doesn't feel like driving. They've thought of everything. An officially licensed Mario Kart 7 wheel for the original 3DS! Do my eyes deceive me? I'd be concerned if they did. It is a shell to pop your 3DS into so you can get more comfortable wheel action. This is obviously trying to cash in on the Wii wheel craze that happened with Mario Kart Wii, except with that game, it felt like a natural steering wheel. Here, it feels like a 3DS. Doesn't do much for me in Mario Kart, works pretty well in Brain Age 2. Item-wise, this game has it all. It has no fake item box. Yeah, the item roster in this one feels a bit more stripped down than usual. No fake item box, none of the new additions to Mario Kart Wii return, but hey, we have three new items here, starting off with the Super Leaf. 2011 was a big tail-heavy year. Seven released nearby to Super Mario 3D Land, where that game's primary innovation was pandering. It brought back the Super Leaf from Mario 3, so of course Mario Kart got infected with it. Your cart grows a tail. Finally. You have the power-up for what feels like 30 seconds and just keep spamming the button to spin it. You can deflect projectiles at other racers. In theory, it's a nice power-up, but I always feel like I get it at the worst times when it's pretty much completely useless. Yes, I'm all by myself and have nothing to do but go on this straight away. Thank God I have a tail to keep me company. You can use it while gliding to keep yourself in the air for a bit, but even you can come up with positives for Satan. I like the color red, and the tail keeps you in the air longer. Doesn't mean I like either one of these. The Fire Flower. Honestly, it's surprising this hadn't become an item before this. And now, technically, fireballs were Mario and Luigi's special item in Double Dash, but here, we're a Fire Flower family. You get to spout out as many fire 
fireballs as you can over a short period of time. It's a nice alternative to an item like the triple shells. Here you get faster ammo and more of it at that, but they're less predictable as to where they'll go and they're smaller overall. Not an amazing new item, but a worthwhile addition. And finally, the lucky seven. And no, it isn't an item you get when you're in seventh place. Way to rub it in. This gives you seven items at your disposal and you can activate all of them. Just be careful nobody runs into any of them while they're circling around you. See, this is an item that makes you just feel ungodly powerful, but it's difficult to use strategically. I just feel like I have to get rid of all my items immediately. And because of that, I don't ever feel that lucky to get it. I'm just like, all right. The item balancing this time around is all right. It's just kind of boring. It just feels like I get nothing but tails and mushrooms. Nothing like a fun evening in Mario Kart 7 getting tails and mushrooms and like three blue shells hit me per race. Oh my God. Overall, I'd say the items in 7 were pretty underwhelming. However, it turns out that movement I was a part of in 2011 actually accomplished something. I don't even care about the coins. I just had a free year. No matter how often they leave, they always find a way back. Coins make their triumphant return. Originally in the series, you'd want to collect them on the track to hit top speed. If you got hit, you'd lose some of them. And here, it's the exact same. Go a bit faster by collecting the coins. Lose them when you get hit. It's the circle of life. And here, the more coins you collect gets you new cart parts to unlock. I wish they had like a little shop to spend your coins because as it is here, you get new cart parts when you hit certain milestones. Like, oh, you have 2000 coins. Here you go. I just don't feel that engaged with unlocking cart parts. Well, onto the tracks. First up, we have Toad Circuit. It's exactly what you think it is. Daisy Hills, a very pleasant track with windmills and hot air balloons. It has it all. Cheap, cheap lagoon, mostly taking place underwater. A wonderful course to realize, wow, gliding is way more fun than this. Shy Guy Bazaar, I like this one. The theme is great and taking place at night makes it stand out quite well. Moving on to the Flower Cup, Woohoo Loop, a track based on Woohoo Island from Wii Sports Resort. Yes, Nintendo's excuse for not making a new character or franchises for years, the response, what are you talking about? We made a new character, Woohoo Island. It's somewhat odd to have this here, but it makes for a fun track. And it's one of the first times a Mario Kart course doesn't feature laps. Rather, it's one long track split into three sections. Woohoo Island was legitimately fun to explore and resort. Just as a Mario Kart track, I think its personality is undermined by a lot of the more out there courses, though it's still a fun time. Mario Circuit, you can go in the castle. How do they get work done in here with a driveway inside? Music Park is definitely the star of the show here. Driving on musical instruments that play music when you're on them, this giant section where you're gliding and avoiding proof that God doesn't exist 2011. Rock Rock Mountain! This one's cool because it literally feels like an adventure. There's this section where you're gliding down from crazy high up and you have this sense of freedom you don't usually feel in a Mario Kart track. Then climbing up with boulders coming down, it's nothing crazy, but a cool one. Star Cup Piranha Plant Slide! Ever wonder what sewers look like? Well, you're welcome. Wario Shipyard! Weirdly, one of the more forgettable tracks for me, which is odd considering the theme of a sunken pirate ship is amazing, yet I keep forgetting this one was here. Neo Bowser City. It's a rainy city. Good for it. Maka Woohoo! Woohoo Island's back! And this one is also three sections instead of laps and takes place during a sunset. I don't remember many differences between these two. Finally, the Special Cup. DK Jungle was the track Nintendo just couldn't do themselves. Retro helped out with it as it's based on Donkey Kong Country Returns, and honestly, I'm happy they did. This feels straight out of that game, and it's a blast to traverse. Rosalina's Ice World. It happened, didn't it? It's a nice track. That's what it is. And it's Rosalina's, all right. Bowser's Castle. Eh, this is a pretty flaccid Bowser's Castle. Nothing memorable, really. It's just kind of there. And finally, of course, we have Rainbow Road. Split into three sections like the Woohoo tracks. This is easily one of the best Rainbow Roads of all time. You explore space as a whole, going on planets, the moon. It's easily the most distinct and one of the best in the entire series. Overall, not a bad track selection. I'd say 7 has some very high highs, but also some very forgettable lows. No 
not bad tracks, really. God, sometimes I wake up in a cold sweat remembering how much I forget Rosalina's Ice World. The retro courses this time around are alright as well. The monster welcome comebacks, and it's cool to see these tracks updated to take advantage of gliding and underwater sections. Well, when there's no more tracks to play, we gotta head over to the other modes. Okay, I guess this one. Battle mode, we have Balloon Battle and Coin Runners. They're just okay. At least this time we can very easily change the settings if we want teams, CPUs, all that. I'm bummed that we can't alter the time limit though. Whether that means removing it entirely or extending it at all, it's always locked at two minutes. The battle arenas are all right, three new, three old. Although the core one I always remember playing on was Honeybee Hive. Literally no other courses existed whenever I played online. It would always pick the B one. This game is so pro B it hurts. Speaking of online, it's here, it works. That's really all there is to it. It's pretty much the same as Mario Kart Wii's online, even having the same globe spinning in the background. You vote for a track, it'll randomly pick one. You play it, moving on. Mario Kart's always been Nintendo's gold standard for online multiplayer. This was like the one game they did online well in, and in Mario Kart 7, it works as well as you'd want it to. The Mario Kart channel from Wii returns here. This time, you can just access it all from the menu rather than having to install it on your system. And it's just a way to alter online settings, view stats, race against others' time trials. 7 was actually pretty big for Nintendo in terms of the term, the future is now. They actually had to update the game because some tracks featured unaccounted for exploits that allowed users to finish them in record times. Yes, the only reason they ever updated the game wasn't for adding new courses or modes, it was because some people were having just too much fun with it. Eh. It's a good game. Just like any other Mario Kart, it's fun, and this one is obviously better than many others in the franchise, but I felt this one had less to it. The mission mode from DS didn't return, neither did bikes from Mario Kart Wii. The customization isn't super crazy in depth. You can't even play versus races, where you can select any track to play on with CPUs. Only time trials are in this one. Sure, gliding and underwater racing are great new additions that help the track design be more interesting. The trick system from Wii returns, and thankfully all you have to do this time is hit the same button as your drift to pull them off. This game is a mishmash of good new additions, lame new additions, and baffling exclusions. But in the end, Mario Kart 7 to me just feels like more of the same. So much of its identity to me is basically it feeling like Mario Kart Wii on the go. But hey, don't take my word for it. Dear God, don't. It's probably wrong. Hey all, Scott here. What'll it be? Mario Party! This is a bar. Alright, so Mario Kart 7, it happened. There is nothing we can do about it. What can the series do next? I got it. Mario Kart 8 was the series' big return to using even numbers, and is easily the game that had the most writing on it. See, released for the Wii U, Nintendo's least favorite little disappointment. That system was having a hell of a time not failing. I mean, how was that possible? It launched in November 2012 with... Uh, and then a year later in 2013, things got steamier with the release of- I'm really trying here. To be fair, of course the Wii U had some solid games at this point, but they just weren't enough to get people interested in the console. The Mario games released for the system were fine, but they looked like any other Mario game. A Zelda remake, Lego game, a game that launched the same week as Grand Theft Auto V, the third entry in a somewhat niche series that was pretty much dormant for a decade, and Game & Wario. What the hell is a Game & Wario? Yes, all of these games were varying levels of good, but can you really blame anybody with a pulse for not buying a Wii U? Oh my god. What the Wii U needed was a Nintendo game that looked significantly better and more fun than any other Nintendo game we've played in the past. One of the Wii U's problems was that most of the games you'd buy a Wii U for looked pretty similar to games you already had on your Wii. We needed a game with mass appeal that felt like a huge step up from previous generations. His mustache moves in the wind! Mario Kart A was the Wii U's big chance to redeem itself, the system's killer app. Up until its release, the console was just kinda... And when Mario Kart A came out, the console went from... to... 
As previously stated, the Wii U launched in November 2012. It sure did. Contrary to what most will say, the launch was pretty solid in my opinion. There was quite a lot to play, and no games that made anybody other than the die-hard Nintendo fanboy who'll buy anything they released by the console. Mario. But if you bought the console at launch, you had quite a bit to play. Nintendo Land was great fun, New Super Mario Bros. U gave your thumb something to do for a few hours and nothing more. Third party games weren't exciting, I mean Mass Effect 3, oh my god, didn't that release 8 months ago and didn't everybody f***ing hate it? Regardless, you had stuff to play on Wii U. And then January hit. There wasn't much on the Wii U's horizon in terms of game releases for a good few months. Sure, Rayman Legends was set for February, but Ubisoft said, Our okay M-rated zombie game exclusive to Wii U didn't sell as well as we wanted. Let's delay Rayman and put it on other platforms the same month as Grand Theft Auto V. I'm still not sure if that was a good idea or not. Basically, there wasn't much coming until March, so Nintendo had to step up and give fans a reason to be excited, and what followed was easily one of the best moments for a Wii U owner next to it getting discontinued. The Wii U Direct focused on reaffirming games we already knew were coming, alongside soft announcing some as well. Now, many of these announcements were for games that were far away from releasing anytime soon, like Shin Megami Tensei Cross Fire Emblem, which ended up releasing in 2016 as... Not that. Yoshi's Woolly World looked quite a bit different and was simply called Yarn Yoshi at the time. The next Zelda title, later to be Breath of the Wild, was discussed, but the reveals for games happening that century happened to be a new 3D Mario game and a new Mario Kart. Now, nothing was really said or shown about these other than they'll be at E3 this year. Personally, I was more excited about the new 3D Mario game. I mean, these games can be so unbelievably amazing. They've defined their generations in gaming and set the standard for games to follow. And then there was Mario Kart, like I give a f All right, let's be fair. An original 3D Mario was kind of what the Wii U needed to feel justified with its banana bolt controller. Surely a 3D Mario would take advantage of it. I mean, the Nintendo 64 controller was made with Mario 64 in mind. E3 2013 arrived. I'm sad. Anyways, I was obviously happy for a new Mario Kart, but I felt the same way I did when the previous title, Mario Kart 7, came out. I just wasn't that excited. I mean, Mario Kart's Mario Kart. It's more of an inevitability than a huge event when one released at that point. I think I was still upset I was bad at Mario Kart Wii. E3 2013 arrived? I'm glad. Oh my god, this game looked like a huge leap forward for the series. Up until this point, Mario Kart was never really a huge graphical showcase for any system it was on. It always looked pleasant enough, but most of the time the presentation ranged from underwhelming to good enough. Mario Kart 8 actually looked like it was taking advantage of the hardware it was running on. Who'd have thought? The gliding and underwater segments from 7 were quickly revealed to be returning alongside bikes from Mario Kart Wii, with one major element being this game's standout feature. Anti-gravity. See, now the tracks can twist and turn all around. It doesn't matter, your cart can go on the walls. Newton was a fuck anyways. At the end of the trailer, Mario's cart does this and forms an eight. See, Nintendo stated they named it Mario Kart 8 because there's this one course that looks like a Mobius strip, which looks like an 8, so you know let's name this one Mario Kart 8. Even if this was the third Mario Kart, they'd still name it Mario Kart 8. Mario Kart TV was detailed, being a way to share replays of your races with others online, and the release date was... If you were a Wii U owner in June of 2013, you should know, hearing this game wasn't coming out for basically one more year, that was not my year's finest moment. We all saw what happened with the Nintendo 3DS. When it launched in spring of 2011 throughout that year, it struggled because of a high price and not enough software, but it all came together that holiday with a price cut and the back-to-back -back releases of a 3D Mario game and a Mario Kart. And ever since, look at this thing, it did really well, had a ton of wonderful games, and kept getting game releases in 2019, my god! Things were lining up for the Wii U to experience the same fate with a 3D Mario and Mario 
Mario Kart down the pipeline, but Mario Kart was coming a good bit later, unfortunately. But obviously, that was for the best, as the game was still a bit early on. Looking at the demo playability 3 that year, a good bit changed by its release. Tons of user interface tweaks, gameplay mechanics, the music wasn't finalized yet, and they used Mario Kart 7 and Mario Kart Wii music in a few places, but hey, Waluigi was back after being cut from Mario Kart 7. That's right, they were brave. Info would die down until December 2013. A new trailer showed up after Rosalina was announced for Smash Brothers for 3DS and Wii U. That opened up with a reference to Mario Kart and made everybody question if Kirby was gonna be in Mario Kart 8. See, no, but in the Mario Kart 8 trailer that followed, Baby Daisy was. New courses and characters were shown off, and thankfully it wasn't long until we saw even more during the February 2014 Direct, a new trailer debuted, and this one was great. I think this was truly when it set in just how gorgeous as this game was. This trailer focused on the announcement that all seven Koopalings were gonna be playable racers. Thank God. Honestly, this was a pretty neat announcement initially, but I think people realized how ridiculous this was when they saw the final character select screen. Like imagine this is your brain. Jesus, man, seven tumors? A little over a month later was when Nintendo was going into full press mode with this thing. April hit and they invited tons of game journalists to try out a nearly final version of the game, and alongside it, we got another new trailer showcasing more new tracks, characters, and finally some new items. The biggest aspect of this trailer was the reveal that Mario Kart 64's Rainbow Road was making a comeback, and it looked beautiful. That's the thing Nintendo finally figured out what the hell they were doing with editing at this point. Does anybody remember Nintendo's official videos back in 2013? They couldn't figure out how to capture their own gameplay footage. This is Mario Kart 8 trailer, they have this fun transition to the reveal of N64 Rainbow Road. They actually knew what they were doing, they knew how iconic that track was, it felt like they were proud of Mario Kart 8 and wanted to show it off. Less than a month later, the Mario Kart 8 Direct randomly popped up on YouTube. What could this be? A 30 minute comedy skit? I'm not complaining, it was just a bit unnecessary. The final details on the game were debuted here one month before its release, such as the final new characters, tracks and items, a Wii U console bundle, and an offer for Club Nintendo members. If you registered your game within the first two months, you could pick one of four games to download for free. I never understood this promotion. Wasn't every Wii U owner already gonna buy Mario Kart 8? Wouldn't it make more sense to do this promotion with like, Bayonetta 2? Oh well, I got myself Pikmin 3 for buying Mario Kart 8, Nintendo 4 forcibly gave me a game for free for buying a game where I would have bought both of them separately for full price, the nerve of them. And that was pretty much Mario Kart 8 up until its release on May 30th. It was an exciting time. 2014 was truly the year the Wii U started to fully feel like a solid console with Mario Kart and Smash Brothers coming out later that year. I have a lot of fond memories of waiting for this game to come out, and watching all the previews and reviews I could, all during that perfect time of year in the spring where the weather is just right. And not only did it feel good outside, but we had this amazing looking game coming out as well. I look back at the build-up and eventual release of this game with a lot of fondness. Of course, something I look forward to with every Mario Kart game is the battle mode, which weirdly enough, Nintendo wasn't detailing at all with this game. We didn't know anything about it up until its release, but you know, you can't really mess up battle mode that much. At its worst, it'll probably be like Mario Kart Wii again, and even then, that was tolerable. It was just kind of not my favorite. So either way, let's take a look at the game that saved the Wii U. The game that justified the Wii U. The game. Here it is, Mario Kart 8, red case and all. Yep, goes wonderfully with the blue header and white spine and blue white Nintendo. Let's talk. I understand why you gave a game like New Super Mario Bros. Wii a red case. I mean, the entire box art is red, including the spine. It was cute and it was a one-time thing, but if you're gonna go to the length of making the case red, why not go all the way and make other parts red like the Wii U header? At least the box art is fantastic. It feels very much like Mario Kart DS, but with actual color and stuff going on. Also, apparently if you follow the logistics of where the racers are, Mario and Peach are supposedly going the wrong way on the track. Another Mario Kart tradition lives on up the box art. You know, I could have picked up the Mario Kart 8 Limited Edition, it was only available at the Nintendo World Store in New York. 
Scratch that, I couldn't have picked it up. That's what you call a limited edition, only available in one specific place. At least here in the US it was. It was far more readily available in other countries. Wanna know how I know that? Well, here's the European version of the same damn game, and here's the North American version. All they both come with is a damn shell. Well, if I can't own that stupid fucking thing, I guess the only thing I can do is play this stupid fucking thing. I can't believe I could have this much fun inserting a disc, and I haven't even done anything yet! This is a glorious moment, and my ears are digging every second of it. Mario Kart 8 features live recorded music, and it goes for this jazzy vibe, and it is incredible. The music in Mario Kart was never bad, but most of the games just kind of sounded the same. Like, here's the Mario Kart 7 title screen. I'm using Mario Kart Wii music here. They all just kind of blend in for me. Again, they're not bad, but I don't hear any defining characteristics of DS's music compared to Wii's or 7's. 8 has its own flavor, and the fact that it's all live recorded gives the soundtrack a feeling of significance that the series lacked up until this point. The title screen's theme is amazing, and after a while it plays Super Mario Kart's title theme. Tons of Mario Karts have had the Super Mario Kart theme thrown into their main themes, but there's something that feels so good about the implementation in 8, I love it. Heading into the menus, well, I don't know what else I'm gonna do. On to the character selection. Whoa. So initially this would be your starting roster and you'd unlock more characters by just playing through the Grand Prix. You'd unlock a random character for beating a new cup, that's it. That definitely makes things pretty simple, but my god, did I work my ass off to unlock King Boo and PD Piranha and Double Dash. That was a nightmare, but I am so proud of the memory card they're on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I unlocked everything, but I feel absolutely nothing looking at the complete character select screen for multiple reasons. Now listen, Mario Kart 8 has the highest number of playable characters in the series yet, but there are some baffling exclusions, and the new racers, okay, remember when I said they introduced the Koopalings as characters? Those are your new ones. You're welcome. This character selection is like a weird combination of Mario Kart Wii and Sevens with some characters that make no sense to be here, with staples of the series left out for seemingly no reason. Bowser Jr., Diddy Kong, Drybones, King Boo, Birdo, all not playable in this game at all, while Metal Mario returns from Mario Kart 7. Baby Peach and Baby Daisy return from Mario Kart Wii. And like I said, seeing the Koopalings playable in that original trailer was pretty cool, but they ended up being really the only new characters we got in this game, and when seven of the 30 playable characters are variations of the exact same idea, uh, but that's not all. We got two other new characters in the form of Baby Rosalina. Listen, as your resident Mario Galaxy player, that game had an entire backstory for Rosalina, and I will say Baby Rosalina makes no sense. No, Baby Luigi, that's fine. And of course, Pink Gold Peach. Metal Mario, you could someone give a pass to. Weirdly enough, a metal version of Mario has been a part of Mario games for quite a while, and in Mario Kart 8, the metal effect looks kinda cool. I don't like him here, but I won't waste a picket sign on him. Pink Gold Peach and Baby Rosalina as well were never a part of the Mario series prior to this game. They were put in here because they were easy peasy to develop. You just take the Baby Peach and Baby Daisy models and tweak them a bit, bam, Baby Rosalina. You take Peach, make her entirely pink gold, bam, skin disease. The Mario Kart 8 roster may be large, but it's so focused on filler that it doesn't feel like we have nearly as much variety as 
before. Don't get me wrong, there are still enough characters to choose from, the selection could be far worse, but Mario Kart Wii's had so much more variety in terms of characters of different shapes, sizes, colors. I'm not the biggest Birdo supporter, but I'd rather have one Birdo than five children. Let's see how much of this roster is pure filler. So we have five babies. At the most, I think three would be fine. So let's cut out two. Metal Mario and Pink Gold Peach are the definition of filler characters. They're just Mario and Peach with lead poisoning. Cut them. All seven of the Koopalings. Honestly, you just need Bowser Jr. to represent what they represent. So cut six of them and the remaining one we could just label as a work in progress Bowser Jr. And there we have it. About one third of the roster taken up by pure filler. The other two thirds are just your typical Mario Kart cast. Nothing sticks out all too much. But moving on, car customization makes a return from Mario Kart 7 with the customization menu looking like they took the bottom screen in Mario Kart 7 and put it on my TV. Guard customization is the exact same as it was in 7. It's fine, but I just end up thinking about how it was in Mario Kart Wii. It was a lot quicker to just pick your pre-made cart. Here it gives me the illusion I'm building my own vehicle, but it doesn't feel like my creation or anything. It just feels like it takes longer to pick a cart now. Well, let's get a move on to the tracks. We select the first cup and... finally changed the Mario Kart formula! In actuality, it's more Mario Kart. How could this be? It's most similar feeling to Mario Kart 7, nearly all features that game introduced make a return in 8, so hopefully it now makes sense why Mario Kart 7 isn't that appealing to go back to for me. It's basically a gimped Mario Kart 8. We've got gliding and underwater sections, the controls feel pretty much the same, and of course, who could forget the coin? Seriously, who could? It's five letters, it's not that hard. The first person view didn't return though, can we really call this a sequel? Now considering this is a Wii U game, surely this game utilizes the Wii U's controller, right? You'd be surprised, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze is a Wii U game. And it doesn't. I remember when the Wii U was first being rumored. The only thing people really knew at that point was that the controller would have a screen, and a specific idea people had was making that screen the rear view mirror in a Mario Kart game. That would be hell. Imagine having to look up and down from the gamepad to the TV screen. God. Now nah, here they have some light touchscreen controls if you want to live that way. And during a race, it's a horn. I love that this controller single-handedly made the Wii U far more expensive than it had to be, and its biggest game's core use of it is a f***ing horn. To be fair, we can toggle through different modes, we can display what's on the TV and show off a map, which is handy, but you'd think you'd be able to do split-screen multiplayer this way, with one person getting their own full view on the gamepad while the other person gets the full TV. No. If you're playing local multiplayer, the gamepad's display is a split-screen, just like the TV. Great. Split-screen multiplayer in Mario Kart 8 is a bit lacking in general, not only due to the lack of asymmetrical multiplayer support, but because when you play with three or more people, the frame rate gets cut in half to 30 frames a second. Listen, I'm not that picky, but it is very noticeable how much choppier this game gets when playing with more people. It's fine, but it's just a bit jarring. It's probably more noticeable because outside of multiplayer with three plus people, this game is smooth as butter. It looks and feels incredible. The character models look outstanding. The lighting and the small little details on the tracks, the vehicles, the drivers themselves. This is not only the best looking Mario Kart game, but one of the best looking Nintendo games in general. These tracks are filled to the brim with details. All these racing advertisements and nods to the Mario universe make these courses truly feel like they're a part of the Mario world and not just random Mario Kart tracks. They didn't cheap out on any area other than the audience here. Guys, like, come on, the rest of the game looks so good, but you're just gonna make the audience look like poster boards? Of course, Mario Kart 8 features anti-gravity racing, something unlike anything Mario Kart's experienced thus far, and you're staring at it right now. This 
is anti-gravity racing. It's not the same as regular racing, I swear. Anti-gravity in Mario Kart 8 is a bit weird considering it seemed like it was going to be a much more obvious feature in the marketing there. The camera really sells you on the gimmick. If a racer's on the ceiling, they'll be upside down. In the actual game, the camera stays consistently behind the player at the same angle all the time, so if you're upside down, it's not immediately noticeable. It's only when you ride on the side of walls that you'll instantly know. When you pass a blue strip, your wheels shift to the sides and you just gained a hover cart. When you bump into these safety hazards or other racers, you get a little boost. And that remains consistent until you pass a blue strip again. Then we're back to reality. Anti-gravity may have seemed like a marketing gimmick. I didn't say it wasn't. The trailers and commercials really pushed it, making it seem like a big thing. It always show racers upside down and all around while when you're actually playing the game, yeah, I may be upside down here, but this feels like your everyday Mario Kart. It's not even that noticeable when you're on the ceiling. But what anti-gravity truly adds is insane track design. Now that the developers don't have to uphold to the laws of physics because we all know that was a Mario Kart constant in the past, these tracks can go absolutely wild. They twist all around and make older courses feel pedestrian by comparison. It's a similar addition to the underwater sections in Mario Kart 7. It doesn't initially feel that different, but when you look at how it affects the track design, it definitely allows for far more creativity. It's truly game-changing and makes these courses not only aesthetically interesting, but allows for the core layout to be as well. Item-wise, we have the mainstays at this point. Basically, everything returns from Mario Kart 7 except for the Super Leaf and Lucky 7. Instead, this time we got the Crazy 8. It's the same as the Lucky 7, but now gets a coin thrown into the mix. I missed the Lucky 7. The Piranha Plant is new and appears in front of you for a short period of time, biting anything nearby you, racers, items, you name it. It automatically chomps, and each time it does, you speed up a bit, but you can jam on the item button if you just want to get it over with. The Boomerang Flower you can throw in front of or behind you three times, and the Super Horn blasts everything around it and can destroy anything. Ink and piss, other racers' aspirations, and most notably, the blue spiny shell. Prior to this, you would have to use a mushroom to outrun a blue shell, and even then, that was tricky. I've looked up videos on people outrunning the blue shell in Mario Kart Wii just because I couldn't imagine that ever happening. I also looked up what happens when you get a blue shell in first place. That. This is an item that you always want on you in first place, and it's always a tough decision regarding whether or not to use it on a red shell that's about to hit you, for example, or wait for a blue shell to appear to use it on, because most of the time, if you end up securing a super horn, that means a blue shell is soon to follow. Overall, the new items are all okay. I don't mind the boomerang or piranha plant, but they just don't really leave much of an impression. I don't really feel that empowered when I get them, but the super horn is a very strategic weapon, and I love its inclusion because it ties into one of the biggest problems people had with Mario Kart 8 that I absolutely loved. See, in previous titles, you could hold on to something like a banana peel to defend yourself from the back. While defending yourself, you could grab another item to store in your item slot. Here in Mario Kart 8, you can only hold on to one item at a time. If you're defending yourself with a banana, you can't grab another item in reserve. On top of that, I initially refused to mention that coins can now be an option in the item roulette, which makes them an immediate threat to public health. Yes, there's just not enough coins on the track when I grab an item box, I'm asking for a coin. Yeah, getting a coin as an item is incredibly annoying, but that adds this interesting strategy to Mario Kart 8. You can use up your item to grab another item, but it may be a coin and leave you defenseless. You have to wager your options every time you use an item. In previous games, when you pass through an item box, you'd get something that you could defend yourself with at the very least. Here, I don't know, I like the element of strategy that the single slot and coin item bring in here. Everybody else f***ing hated it. I can see why. Like I said, the new items aren't that cool. They're fine, but couple that with only one item and the coins, and this is one of the more boring Mario Karts item-wise. The balancing is actually pretty good. I mean, there were some times I got a crazy 8 in like third place. I don't remember selling my soul for that. But mostly, this is one of the lesser bullshit Mario Karts. It feels much more fair. There's a very clear strategy to use with the items. But since I recently played Mario Kart Wii, that is so obviously more frustrating with its item balancing, but my god, it was more interesting. Mario Kart 8's items feel too bland. When I look back at the garbage I put up with in Mario Kart Wii, I 
oddly kind of miss it in comparison. The balancing was so crazy that it made it fun in its own way. I'm not saying its balancing is completely boring, like I said, I like the strategy involved with items now, but Mario Kart Double Dash and Wii felt more like what everybody expects out of Mario Kart, craziness happening at every moment. With 8, I feel way more on autopilot with these items. Hold on to the banana until somebody throws a shell at it. Grab another item box. Pray it's not a coin. Son of a bitch. Grab another item box. Didn't I say I like the item setup in this game? Well, I still do, but I can at least see why a lot of people didn't. But one thing I hope we can all agree on is how amazing literally all the tracks are in this game. I have to hand it to them, they hit it out of the park. Every track is at the very least pretty damn good. They all have their own unique background music now, which weirdly enough is a first for Mario Kart. Every game had a couple of courses that shared music. Here it's all unique and it's all sublime. Even the tracks that are pretty basic have this wonderful flair to them. And then we have the tracks that are incredibly complicated and they're a joy to experience. I just love the selection in this one. Starting out in the Mushroom Cup, Mario Kart Stadium. I love the atmosphere here. It feels like I'm a superstar. Water Park, an oddly generic name for a water park that is very obviously themed after Wario. This is my favorite feature in Mario Kart 8. Drama. Sweet Sweet Canyon is all about donuts in the sort. It's a wild track to describe that makes you look f***ing insane if you try to. F***ing donuts! Everywhere. Thwomp Ruins is cool because there's a section here that utilizes anti-gravity gliding and underwater sections. Who knew Face Rocks owned ruins? Mario's Circuit, the Mobius Strip the game's name is based off of. I never really think of this track for the figure eight design. I usually remember it for trauma. Toad Harbor, well if Toad's here, that's gotta mean it's good. This is just a very happy feeling track. The sunshine, the cable cars, all the different pathways to race on. This is one of the first tracks I think of when thinking Mario Kart 8. Twisted Mansion, do you really think a haunted house would be scary when flooded? If I'm underwater, the last thing I'm freaking out over is a ghost. I love the rippling floors and the knights attacking you at the end of this one. Then there's Shy Guy Falls, I usually kind of group this one together with Thwomp Ruins in my mind, but they're pretty different tracks. You drive up a waterfall, there's this little nook you can fly into completely different. Sunshine Airport, this would not fly in real life, but it does make for a fantastic track. I do wish they had a longer section inside the airport itself, but I can't really complain considering outside is probably way more interesting. Dolphin Shoals is about jumping in and out of water, riding on an eel. Again, this is physically improbable. Electrodrum is the highlight course of the game. It's the most visually and musically appealing. So many colors and lights with the music being synced up to the action, and it's followed up by Mount Wario. One big track, three sections. You start from a plane, and you travel throughout the ski resort to the end, and the music adapts to what segment of the race you're on, this is it. This is the best cup in Mario Kart history. Oh, I gotta see what follows. Oh my god. Well, Gladtop Cruise is fantastic. I mean, it has a Mario Galaxy remix as its background music. You could throw up in my face to Mario Galaxy music and I'd say that's a good Mario Kart track. But then we move on to Bone Dry Dunes. This is probably my least favorite track in the game. It's not bad at all, but it's easily one of the least inspired feeling ones. I just don't really like desert areas in games. Out of all the tracks here, this is the one I could care the least about visiting in real life. Like, what is there to do here? Bowser's Castle is a step up. I love how this giant Bowser attacks the different pathways, but it ends with a doozy. Rainbow Road, obviously the biggest staple of any Mario Kart. All the games have to end with their own iteration of the iconic track, and with this game having anti-gravity as a gimmick, I couldn't wait to see Mario Kart 8's Rainbow Road, especially after seeing the N64 one remade. This is lame. It's not a bad track, it's just pretty basic, definitely in comparison to Mario Kart 7's version. You go on a Rainbow Road, that's a good start, and then we go into a space station, and then go onto another Rainbow Road, and repeat. It's fine, but for how amazing all the other tracks are, it's shocking to me Rainbow Road with the anti-gravity mechanic is so basic in this game. But like I said, it's still a good track. All of these are. And that's just half the story, with the other 16 being the retro tracks. Obviously, these have been a feature in the series for quite a long time, but most games 
they felt like filler more tracks to give you more content. It was nice to have them, sure, but you could almost always tell what was a retro track and what wasn't. In Mario Kart 8, they completely redid everything, and the retro tracks looked just as new, if not newer, than the new tracks. They added anti-gravity, remade all the music, even changed up some things aesthetically. Like, Moo Moo Meadows from Mario Kart Wii takes place during Sunrise, and it's gorgeous now. I love the tracks they picked here. And sure, they had to pick courses they didn't remaster in previous games yet, so some fan favorites didn't make the cut, but by god, we have some great ones. It's so fun to see Moo Moo Meadows, Toad's Turnpike, Royal Raceway, Wario Stadium, Yoshi Valley, TikTok Clock, and of course, N64 Rainbow Road. Though they changed it to be a three-section track rather than a three-lap track. Come on, half the fun of the original was that it was overly long and grueling to complete. Online is back and it works great! Instead of giving you the option to select any track in the game to play online with random people, it now gives you a random selection of three, which I prefer. I found that when you give me 32 tracks to choose from, I'm probably just gonna either pick the same one over and over again, or I'm gonna take too long to pick one. Having three makes it way easier to pick and keeps tracks from repeating too often. Online is great in this one, but it's really hard to make friends with people and ask them for their email with these pre-made chats. We can save replays and edit them with Mario Kart TV, post them to YouTube and Miiverse. Not anymore, it was a stupid feature anyways. You'd be able to create 30 second highlight reels of your race, but eh, it wasn't that big of a deal to me. Well, in terms of other modes, eh, stamps. You get stamps in this game for completing time trials and beating Grand Prix with different characters. You were originally able to use these stamps on Miiverse. Not anymore, it was a stupid feature anyways. Speaking of Grand Prix, when you finish one, you just get a highlight reel from one of your races. Not the traditional award ceremony cutscene. I mean, it's not a big deal. At least we get these cool trophies. They're such amazing designs. We can even touch them with our thumbs on the gamepad. But the lack of a cutscene, sure, the way it's presented here makes sense in the context of the whole Mario Kart TV thing, but was this game rushed? Obviously no, not my Mario Kart 8. They put so much love and attention in every little detail with this game. This was probably an example of them going, no, we want this to make Mario Kart TV feel more like a sports broadcast thing. Either way, we have one more mode to check out, and that is Battle Mode! Battle mode has been a staple of the Mario Kart series ever since the very beginning, but it seemingly was getting less and less attention with each entry. And of course, with Mario Kart 8, Nintendo barely mentioned it until damn near 20 seconds after it released. Balloon Battle is all we got here, and... Wait, Moo Moo Meadows? That... That's a track. Oh... Oh my god. Wait, I'm not supposed to talk about this yet. Let's talk about the updates. So Mario Kart 8 wasn't perfect right out the gate. It wasn't perfect ever. There were a few big issues at launch, like after a race, the option to move on to the next race would be the second option. The first option was viewing a highlight reel. <sighs> Nintendo. Also, the map wasn't available on the TV screen. You can only view it on the gamepad. <sighs> Nintendo. Well, they fixed these via a free update in August of 2014 that arrived alongside Mercedes-Benz car parts. God, tell that to a dealership. What made you want a Mercedes? Well, it plays Roy Koopa a lot, and the GLA goes with his eyes. It was really weird to have such blatant product placement in a Mario game, but I've only lost a couple nights of sleep because of it. But during the summer of 2014, it was fully announced Mario Kart 8 would be getting paid DLC packs, both crossing over with various Nintendo IPs. You could pre-purchase the DLC packs for $12 in total, or $8 separately and it was an insane deal. Six new characters, 16 new tracks, carports, and for buying both we got multicolored Shy Guys and Yoshi's 
yes! So DLC Pack 1 offers two new cups, the Egg Cup and the Triforce Cup, alongside Tanuki Mario and Cat Peach and Link. Guess which one's the most interesting? The tracks offered across these are amazing. Yoshi Circuit from Double Dash is back, Excite Bike Arena is a tribute to Excite Bike, and it's so much fun, it's so many ramps and areas to do tricks off of. Dragon Driveway is awesome, and Mute City was the most Nintendo's acknowledged F-Zero in years. Wario's Gold Mine from Wii and SNES Rainbow Road made a comeback. The retro tracks they brought back were a bit more interesting than some of the ones they picked for the base game, like Grumble Volcano. And some of these were already remade in older games, so it's nice to see they were willing to double dip a bit. Ice Ice Outpost is pretty lame, not bad, but not my first pick for anything. And Hyrule Circuit, a wonderful trip through the world of Zelda. DLC Pack 1 was awesome. It came at the perfect time for me, right when I was starting to get a little old in Mario Kart 8 in November, and bam, here are some amazing new tracks and things to spice it up. It also included amiibo support where you can unlock character outfits for your me. It's a dream come true. Now, DLC Pack 2 came in April of 2015, and uh, it was a bit lame for me. The tracks didn't wow me in this pack all too much. A Baby Park from Double Dash came back, which was nice. A Cheese Land from GBA. I was happy to see them make an actual course out of these GBA tracks, but it's not really anything that stands out to me. A Wild Woods? It felt like a lesser maple treeway from Mario Kart Wii to me. An Animal Crossing? Nice name. It's a fun course, the type of season is randomly decided so it stays pretty fresh. But then there's a Neil Bowser City from Mario Kart 7. This just wasn't interesting enough to warrant bringing back. Ribbon Road from GBA is a pretty cool one though. It's in a kid's room and has a lot of fun details. Superbell Subway is okay and we have another F-Zero track. I'm not complaining but I can if I want to. Just make a new F-Zero, Nintendo. I'm a Nintendo fan, that's a catchphrase of mine. Of course, Villager and Isabel from Animal Crossing became playable alongside Dry Bowser. Thank God he's back! So the DLC rounded out Mario Kart 8 quite well, but we have more tracks than ever with a better character selection. It's cool to see Nintendo willing to do more crossover content with Mario Kart, but that was far from the biggest story here. They added 200cc to the game alongside DLC Pack 2 as a free update, my god it was too fast. I remember this was a pain to get a hold of originally, you had to do a lot more braking on corners while drifting, and most of these tracks were never designed for this kind of speed. It's a cool little free update to a game that was already one of the best Mario Kart experiences, hands down. It's the best looking Mario Kart, the best sounding Mario Kart, the best controlling Mario Kart with the best tracks in the series, hands down. I am a bit bummed out by the lack of things to do in the game outside of racing. Like basically, play the Grand Prix and play online, that's all you can really do. But when it comes down to it, Mario Kart 8 was the definitive Mario Kart experience at the time of its release. But they just had to up the battle mode. So they didn't put any battle tracks in here, they just used existing ones. Okay, that's already lame, but they couldn't have even been bothered to alter the tracks just a bit to make them more suitable for battle mode. They're terrible, they're so big and designed to loop around, they aren't small closed in arenas like battle tracks should be. And out of all the tracks to choose, why Toad's Turnbike? Why Yoshi Valley? Why Toad Harbor? And when you die in battle mode, you come back as a ghost and can still hurt the other players. That's not fair. What the hell were they doing with this mode? It's ridiculous. I almost would have preferred if they just didn't bring the mode back, or at the very least, if they just remastered old battle stages and nothing more. That would have been okay. But no, instead, this is the worst mode in any Mario Kart game. And it used to be my favorite Nintendo. What is wrong with you? See, that should show you how bad this mode is, it made me break something. But I still did that out of anger towards Nintendo. Now, what the f am I doing? Hey y'all, Scott here. What'll it be? Mario Party! This is a bar. 
Wait. What is happening? I already talked. Mario Kart 8. Four. See, that's a fun quirk of talking about Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. The space-time continuum thinks you're just talking about Mario Kart 8 again, so it just gives up. If you talk about the same thing twice, the world doesn't know how to handle it. So, we have to convince God that 8 Deluxe isn't just Mario Kart 8 again, and we aren't just repeating history. Oh, and then I should get new shoes. So Mario Kart 8 came out. Want a new game? No. Yeah, Mario Kart 8 did quite well, selling over 8 million units on the Wii U, selling better than games that were almost always bundled in with the console, that's embarrassing. But 8 million isn't a lot in the grand scheme of Mario Kart. I mean, how could you possibly only sell 8 million copies of something? It was all because of the console it was stranded on, the Wii U. I mean, when the system itself sold less than two times more, I think it's fair to say this number wasn't Mario Kart 8's fault. I mean, Mario Kart 8 was a phenomenal game. Not perfect by any means, if you read the book you'd get it, but still, it had the best presentation of any Mario Kart, the best track design, the most tracks out there after DLC was released. They even sped up falling off a course and getting back on it. They were ruthless with making this game good. However, it had downsides. Many people didn't like the character selection. This graph shows exactly how many didn't. The fact you could only hold one item at a time. This graph shows who did like that. And the battle mode, or the lack of a good one. It was somewhat frustrating to see this beautiful package with some little blemishes that were almost all entirely done due to time constraints. If Mario Kart 8 just improved on these things, we might have the greatest Mario Kart, hell, even greatest racing game of all time on our hands. It's a shame the game was updated for the final time in May of 2015. It's a shame they never fixed many of these issues. Issues. It's a shame the game was only available to Wii U owners. Isn't it fun to be stupid? Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Just a guess, an upgraded version of Mario Kart 8 on the Wii U? This was released for the Wii U's successor, the Nintendo Switch, shortly after its launch in March of 2017, and it just kept selling. Most people who go into the store to get milk every week buy another copy of 8 Deluxe alongside it. It sold more than double, triple, well, Mario Kart 8 sold on Wii U. Guys, I think we have a winner on our hands. Mario Kart 8, but better? That's the best compliment you could give a person. So we gotta check this out. It's gotta be Mario Kart 8. It's Mario Kart 8. So I played quite a bit of Mario Kart 8 on Wii U, but by mid to late 2015, I kind of fell off it. I mean, back when it launched, I played online multiplayer every day for a few months, but no game is meant to last forever, and Mario Kart 8 was no different. But see, 2016 rolls around, right? And it's the worst. It's dreadful. It is the year of not being a Nintendo fan. That whole year was filled with what? No games? And when there were games, bad games? Nintendo didn't have much of note releasing, but we all knew their next console was on the way, codenamed Nintendo NX. Back in 2015, they said, don't worry guys, we'll reveal what the Nintendo NX is in 2016. So not only was getting through 2015 a wait and a half to get information on their next console, but when exactly in 2016 did they decide to reveal it? That was hell. So October 2016 rolls around and Nintendo finally reveals what the Nintendo NX smelled like. A trailer was uploaded online titled First Look at Nintendo Switch and that was a wonderful day. That one trailer not only showcased how the Switch was in fact a home console you could take with you on the go, but also teased various games that would come to the platform. We already knew Breath of the Wild was gonna be on it, but we got previews of people playing a new 3D Mario game, Splatoon, NBA 2K, Skyrim, none of these games were confirmed to be actual games. They just said, oh, they might be real games, but take everything in this trailer with a grain of salt. But come on, Nintendo, I'm not stupid. The Virgin Radar was going off the charts. These were real games. But there was another one shown off in the trailer that got people talking. Mario Kart 8. A group of friends decided to play it in the car. Nothing fancy, just playing on one of the DLC tracks with King Boo and two item slots. Holy sh**. 
this looked exactly like Mario Kart 8, but with those two little differences, who know what this was gonna be? Was it a sequel to Mario Kart 8, but it just reused the engine and assets? Was it just a mock-up of what a Mario Kart game could be like on the Switch? Was it just Mario Kart 8 and we were just seeing things? Thankfully, a couple months later in January of 2017, Nintendo held the Nintendo Switch presentation, a press conference detailing the launch year of the platform, when it was releasing, the games that were planned, pricing, all that. Of course, various games were given full trailers, and pretty much all of the games initially shown in the first look piece were fully revealed. But Mario Kart wasn't talked about at all. They showed footage of it randomly when talking about the console itself, and during a sizzle reel, and we saw what looked like a completely revamped battle mode. Tell us more, Nintendo! The event's over. Lucky for the human race, directly after the presentation wrapped up, Nintendo exploded online with information about games coming to the Switch, including a full trailer for a game called Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Why didn't they talk about this during the presentation? Well, I'm sure they wanted to focus on new experiences coming to the Nintendo Switch, rather than highlight an old Wii U game of theirs coming over. It's smart to do that with a new console, to really show how the Switch will be home to brand new experiences rather than ass old ones. And a couple years later after that presentation, my favorite games on the Switch are the Wright Brothers First Flight and the agricultural revolution. There's nothing but old sh** on this thing. The trailer Nintendo released focused on battle mode with an actual battle mode in it. Oh yes! New characters like Bowser Jr., King Boo, and Dry Bones. Oh yes! Splatoon content like the Inklings and a battle stage of their own. Oh Yes! The Feather and Boo items were returning! I'm not making a big deal about everything. You know, after they previewed this game initially in 2016, a rumor emerged saying how Mario Kart on Switch was going to be a souped-up Mario Kart 8 with an improved battle mode, new characters, and new tracks. Let's see those new tracks. This is the best Mario Kart of all time. After the Switch presentation, gameplay demos started happening. This was where we learned about the Joy-Con wheel, a Wii wheel wannabe for the Switch controllers. You know what? I appreciate the effort, not enough to support it, but enough to ask people if they actually bought Joy-Con wheels. More battle modes were teased, and a bit later, we got a full-blown overview trailer showcasing all of the new content and changes made to this version. 8 Deluxe came out on the Nintendo Switch on April 28th, 2017, about two months after the system's launch, which was lucrative to its success. A Mario Kart on your system that early on, regardless of it being asshole, that's ass big. And Nintendo knew this. I mean, they went all out. Target got rebranded with a Mario Kart theme. They offered bonus knickknacks with the purchase of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe at Target. They mainly went for the Target crowd on this one. I was so excited for this. The fact that we were getting a Mario Kart this early after a system's launch, that was incredible. I was already still pretty jazzed about the Switch launching, so add a new Mario Kart on top of that, I was thrilled! That was Mario Kart! Firstly, let's talk about this box because, oh my god. I mean, Mario Kart 8 was already quite good, but the characters posing, the colors, the overall layout just makes this feel so much more definitive. The Nintendo Outsiders are even given their own spotlight here. A little strange they're using N64 Rainbow Road as the track for the box art considering it's not an original track, but at least this is confirmation from Nintendo that N64 Rainbow Road looks better than Mario Kart 8 Rainbow Road. God, isn't it crazy how the Wii U game and then some is packed all in this one little card? I mean, you could fold the disc multiple times to get to this level of compact, but the fact Mario Kart 8 is in a card smaller than Mario Kart 7 DS Super Circuit that's wild. So when we start the game up, we still get the loading screen from the original, but it's slightly less organic looking now. See, when you start up a Wii U game, there's a startup screen, and that screen transitions smoothly into the title screen. In 8 Deluxe, they tried to squeeze everything about this startup screen in here, even though the game loads so much faster now, so it just looks weird and unnecessary. But look at this title screen! It's so nice to see Mario Kart fully embrace color again! For a while there, I think they just forgot what a background looks like. There's quite a bit of new art at play here. I like this toad! We can back out of the main menu, 
menu and have an actual damn title screen for once. They changed quite a bit here when it came to the menu options and layout. For example, Mario Kart TV is now down here. Online with one or two players now appears as an option while hovering over online play rather than being two separate options. Wireless play is now here, meaning playing between two or more Switch consoles. LAN play is available by holding the shoulder buttons and clicking the left stick in. Why is this a cheat code? The DLC shop icon is gone because there's no DLC to shop. The options down here are more detailed with new icons. These options are the freckles of Mario Kart 8's body. The character select screen has been reorganized and tweaked. Some characters that were once alternate costumes are separate character slots now, i.e. the villager girl and boy. Characters are organized in a much more organic way here in my opinion. Everything's unlocked from the get-go except for car parts. They removed the stamps. So, who's ready for me to f***ing lose it? I mean, I get why 8 Deluxe doesn't have these. I mean, their entire purpose was to be used via Miiverse, which doesn't exist on Nintendo Switch. At this very moment, it doesn't exist on Wii U. But you would get stamps after completing things like Grand Prix or Time Trials. It would have been a nice little extra collectible, even if they effectively didn't do anything. At the very least, Nintendo could email me good job after buying a game of theirs. So, on to the characters. We have everybody returning from Mario Kart 8, but now with some slightly altered stats. It's like how I have two driver's licenses, you know, sometimes I'm feeling 150, sometimes 480. But of course, some new characters were added. Bowser Jr., King Boo, and Dry Bones. Cool. And these aren't amazing additions, they've all been in Mario Kart in the past, and really should have been in here from the start. Why not delve into characters that haven't been in Mario Kart before, instead of drawing a circle for the third time? But hey, we have the Inklings from Splatoon, they fit in pretty well and round out the non-Mario characters. But, if you get through all the 200cc cups, you get Gold Mario as an alternate costume for Metal Mario, the roster is saved. <laughs> Gold Mario and no stamps? This has gotta be the best Mario Kart of all time! by a technicality. This is Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. It reminds me of, uh, hmm, huh, Mario Kart 8. <laughs> it, it's really different, guys. Uh, the item roulette has a zit now. Yes, two items can be held at once. It's basically like most Mario Karts before 8, but this is slightly different. Originally, holding two items felt more like a hot skill to have rather than a gameplay mechanic in previous games. But here, it's 8 Deluxe's favorite thing to do. It would be insulted if you didn't grab two items. The double item boxes from Double Dash return as well, offering a bit of strategy. They're often placed in slightly unconventional areas, so do you risk it all for a double item box or do you enjoy white bread? Of course two item slots means there are more items flying around and it does make the game more entertainingly hectic. However, I will always appreciate what the original 8 did by having only one item slot. It added strategy alongside giving purpose to the coin item. Every item you grabbed came alongside the risk of getting a coin. Now the coin item here barely matters anymore considering if you grab a double item box you will most definitely get at least one defensive item. The coin has lost all meaning, it was supposed to piss you off, now it's even more worthless. I'm cool with the change to the dual item slots, but I do kind of miss the original style just a bit. Well at least they included the boo item, it steals an item from another player and makes you invisible. I knew Mario Kart 8 was missing something, it was missing bullshit. Drifting has been slightly altered, as in if you can hold the drift for slightly longer, you'll get an even bigger boost once you leave it. Finally, this game is good. There's also smart steering and auto acceleration, where if you don't know what this, this, or even this is, why did you even want to play Mario Kart? But these are options where the cart will accelerate automatically or will avoid going off the road to the best of its abilities. You can still control the game with these options on, it'll just nudge you out of harm's way a lot of the time. If anything, turning smart sneering on makes a new game of try to go off road, I dare you. This little antenna appears on your cart if smart steering is enabled, which for everybody, happened at least once. When you initially start up the game for the first time, smart steering is automatically enabled. You know, I get it, this is a great feature for kids or people who just don't play Mario Kart at all, but I'm worried how auto acceleration and smart steering will affect the driving abilities of our youth. Go! Well, it's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, it's the same game, but enhanced a bit. It also runs a bit better too, as in Mario Kart 8 ran at 59 frames per second and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe runs at 60 frames per second. Holy sh! I hope that proves it's a different game. But that doesn't even scratch the surface of what 8 Deluxe adds. It finished battle mode. 
See, look at the back of the box. It even says new and improved battle mode. It's shocking to me that Nintendo even admitted, yeah, we f***ing stunk. Battle mode in Mario Kart 8 on Wii U. You know, considering it was just terrible and I only consider it f***ing abysmal, that's pretty impressive. Just balloon battle on pre-existing racetracks. What's bad about that? The fact that sentence started. Some Nintendo actually acknowledged that battle mode was pretty raw and pretty much exclusively focused on it with 8 Deluxe. It easily got the most attention as we have 8 battle maps that are actual battle maps. 5 new and 3 retro. Sadly, most of the new ones, you can tell are derivative of tracks already in the game. Battle Stadium is like Mario Kart Stadium, Sweet Sweet Kingdom, Sweet Sweet Canyon, Dragon Palace, Dragon Driftway, Lunar Colony, Rainbow Road. Even the Splatoon themed one, Urchin Underpass, I mean, it's directly based off of a map in Splatoon. Not a big deal at all, it was a smart move to just reuse these themes as battle stages, and they don't feel just like the tracks they're based on, but you can sort of see where corners were cut. The three retro courses are nice to see back, Woohoo Town, Luigi's Mansion, Battle Course 1, and in total is more than enough to work with, though other Mario Karts have had more in the past, so I can't help but ask for a little more. Two more retro courses to even things out would have been great, but they make up for it with the abundance of battle modes. Balloon Battle, Coin Runners, Babam Blast, Shine Thief, pretty much if it was a battle mode in a past Mario Kart, it's here alongside a brand new one, Renegade Roundup. It's a game of cops and robbers, basically if you're on the cop team, try to scoop up the opposing team members. They'll be transported into a cage, their team members need to try and knock them out. This is such an excellent suite of battle maps and options. But they only let you do timed battles, there's always gotta be a time limit. I understand that from when you're playing online, but I would've appreciated the option to turn that off if I wanted to. And hey! Feather's an item exclusive battle mode. I love being excited for an item I couldn't care less about. It gives you a giant jump where you can leap over other players and obstacles, so it makes sense as a battle mode exclusive item, but... But my god, I don't care. Overall, they did a good job actually finishing battle mode, but that's not to say it's absolutely perfect. With how many players are in these matches, they can be way too hectic. I mean, some of these modes have never been played online, so I don't think they're well suited for double digits worth of players. But hey, they actually finished battle mode. Good on them. Everything else, I mean, I mean, it's still Mario Kart 8. The online is roughly the same, though actively worse. At least when I first started playing this game back in 2017, I got constant error messages and still get them more often than I ever did with the Wii U game. But when it works, it works, and they even give you more options, like being able to swap out your character and cart between races. All the DLC from the Wii U version is included on the card, which is great. That means these cart parts and new characters and tracks are officially preserved forever. All the Mii costumes you can unlock via Amiibo can still be unlocked if you have the Amiibo, you cheap bitch. 200cc is available from the start here and and it actually felt way better than it did in the Wii U version. I don't know what they did here, but in Mario Kart 8, 200cc felt completely too fast and not well tested enough. In 8 Deluxe, it's way more manageable and it's actually a ton of fun. We can play with tilt controls, the Pro Controller Joy-Con on its side, with two Joy-Con and handheld mode, which is just crazy to be able to play Mario Kart 8 on the go and to also just compare 8 Deluxe to the previous handheld Mario Karts. But here are two major complaints. They never gave the DLC cups proper trophy designs. They were always generic looking trophies in comparison to the original cups. Come on. And you also can control the trophies with touch controls. I was honestly very disappointed by that. But hey, the game got consistent updates, like when they patched out the Inkling girl doing one of these. Apparently, that's fighting words. They added a new costume and cart parts for Link based on Breath of the Wild a year and a half after the game launched, why the hell not? And of course Nintendo Labo support. See, there were a few cardboard accessories you can make for your Nintendo Switch that mimic driving mechanisms, so why not force them into Mario Kart, they work. For some reason, the camera's closer on Lemmy ass. When you use these things, it's pretty immersive. It truly feels like I'm using cardboard to stare at a turtle. So that's it, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is obviously the best Mario Kart at the time of its release. I just don't feel much of a connection to it. I remember being super excited for this game coming out. For some reason, I felt this was going to feel like a new Mario Kart experience, and then when I sat down and played it, I realized, wow, 
This is Mario Kart 8. I'm bummed there were no new racetracks. I'm bummed there was no added single player stuff or major collectibles. And the fact pretty much everything was unlocked from the get-go makes this a super easy Mario Kart to jump into but not really one I could warrant playing for nearly as much as I did with 8 on Wii U initially. Mario Kart 8 was exciting because it was new. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe was exciting because it's the full package. Of course, no matter what, people kept predicting Mario Kart 8 Deluxe would get DLC every year after its release. D just give up. All right, so did I do it? Did I prove that Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is different enough to warrant a discussion on its own and it's just not Mario Kart 8 again? I'll take that as a no. Okay, so this is what it looks like when I don't get new shoes and the universe collapses on itself. I guess I'll know this for next time.